Welcome to the PopGo Project. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shirts for the Scene. Head over to thepopgoproject.com and you can purchase your favorite band t-shirt. It is no secret that 2020 has sucked a big fat one. Artists and musicians have had to cancel almost all of their so- shows, which uh, really has hurt them financially. Grab a shirt, support a band. The proceeds of each sale go right to the band's whose shirt you are buying. Once again, head over to thepopgoproject.com and grab your shirt today. Shirts for the Scene is made possible by Axelrad Screen Printing in Wilkes-Barre. Visit them online at axelradarmy.com. My guest today was the editor of The Weekender from 2017 to 2011. For those of you who don't know, The Weekender back in the day was the Bible when it came to the arts and entertainment scene in Northeastern Pennsylvania. We talk about his road to becoming the editor of The Weekender, some of the accomplishments while he was there, how he made his exit, and what he's up to today. This is The Weekender Files. Welcome to the show, Michael Lello. (laughs) What's up? What did I just say? What's on? I was going to say, what's going on? And then I said, what's up? And I combined the two together. What's up? I said, what's on? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> I'm already laughing. I'm already laughing. We didn't even start yet. So, <laughs> Mike, what's going on? Not too much yet. <laughs> I'm glad to see you got the memo. You had to uh, be in front of a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Brick is so good. Thank, thank you for uh, complying with that. Yeah. Rick is good. <laughs> yep. It's the least distracting part of my apartment. Yeah. Because I, you know, if I was to flip the camera around, it's a, I have this ridiculous, not ridiculous wall, but um, my wife was kind enough to, you know, I had all these framed concert posters and they're kind of like, you buy them and then what, then they sit in the closet and, you know, <laughs> you feel like a jerk. And uh, she put them all up. So, you know, Roger Waters and, you know, Phil Lesh and all these things. And I also like, I'm one of these people that actually listens to CDs. Like I, you know, I haven't shunned, you know, digital stuff, but I, I just kind of like having them. So I have like, I, it's funny how things have changed. I had to find a place in England to order CD racks to mount on the wall because that's like a weird item to have now. Sure. I mean, remember everyone used to have the CD towers and the yeah. whatever. But anyway, that, that's, that answers the question you didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> about the brick wall what kind of yeah yeah well you know i was i was kind of hoping you'd be in front of a uh, a bookshelf because yeah well see i don't know how to read so uh <laughs> i'm a little i actually don't appreciate you bringing that up but anyway <laughs> well well my guest today is mike lello mike lello and i worked together at the weekender he was the editor um <clears throat> for the paper from 2007 to 2011 and this is part of uh, what I'm calling, I guess, the uh, Weekender Files. Where are they now? Mike uh, has spent a lot of time in media over the years, and I'm excited to talk to him today because I mean, we talk regularly, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's been a long time since we've uh, just kind of really talked face-to-face, face-to-face, right? So right. This, uh, this series is, uh, is very exciting for me, so uh, I'm hoping that uh, – it gets a good response and I hope the uh, guests enjoy it as well. But what have you been up to, man? It's been so, a long time. Yeah, I've been uh, living in New York for six years. Um, it's gone by really quickly. 
um, six and you know a few months. And uh, yeah, uh, the nature of media is you know jobs tend to come and go. People tend to come and go. It's rare someone settles into a position or company. Um, it's not like it used to be. Um, so I've had a few different jobs here, but, uh, things have gone really smoothly. And, um, for the last, you know, the, the, the two things worth mentioning that, you know, that, that would stand out, I guess, uh, a couple of years ago, I started working at the New York post, which was, you know, amazing, um, great opportunity. And I got to do some really cool things there, be part of a great group of people. And, and uh, it's pretty exciting. And, uh, a little over a year ago, I, I was uh, approached by uh, the digital team of Fox News, and uh, I've actually been there for a year now. Um, oh wow! And it's been been great uh, working for their website as a copy editor. You know, it's kind of exciting. You know, like um, some major story happens. You know, Trump does this or that, or uh, a Pfizer vaccine is approved. You know. Before your phone, someone's phone buzzes and they get the the alert if they're signed up for it, or you know whether you're signed up for New York Times or ESPN or whatever, th- that doesn't just come out of thin air, you know. So you know I, I'm looking those over to make sure, you know, looking at the headlines and the story to make sure, you know, it's it's not all that. Some of it's like slower and stories that are smaller, you know, a new dinosaur skeleton was discovered or something, and it's you know those stories are cool too. They help round everything out. If you think of a newspaper, that's the story that's like on page eight, but maybe it's like kind of a cool story. So, you know, you're working on something like that and then someone will like ping you and say, Hey, could you take like today? It was like, Hey, they hit, um, we have a pretty urgent story. Uh, 17 million coronavirus cases in the U S is now the, the number. Could you look over that? So wow. I put aside what I was doing and look that over and push that out. And, you know, I don't know if it was uh, on that story, but then I hear my phone buzz. I'm like, I wonder what that is. I look and it's the thing I was just working on, you know, and it's like, oh, that's cool. So that's what I've been been doing, uh, you know, full time. You know, I still have the blog. Uh, been I have started a blog. It's coming up on 10 years, actually, in the spring. Um, wow. Highway 81 Revisited, which, uh, you know, you've been uh, a supporter of. I appreciate that. You've your top album picks of the year. You used uh, participating again this year. So we'll have those up. In fact, you sent them in before I even asked about them. I was like, Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I got to do those lists this year. So then I, you know, to reach out to some other people too. Um, so still doing that as well. Uh, you know, um, when I have the time, uh, I wish like anyone else I had more time, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much it professionally what I've been doing. Yeah. You put out a lot of content for it to, you know, for it being a, uh, you know, hobby or a side yeah, project. It, yeah, it definitely is a side project, does not pay the bills. It actually causes some bills, um, you know, a little bit, just, you know, the general, you know, the, the email address costs a few dollars a year. And the, That's how this thing's going too. Yeah. I mean, you got to spend a little bit, you know, and you're, you got your microphone and everything looks good there. You got, you, you know, the, it's the kind of thing we talked about a lot, you and I, John, but, you know, in the, uh, if, you, if you were doing this podcast maybe for a, a company or, or, you know, not yourself, they might say, well, once it starts making money, then we'll buy you a microphone. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> for now, just use like what I'm doing right now. I'm just yelling into the computer and magically it's <laughs> blasting into your house. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
that that's that was always like like even that was a struggle at the weekender sometimes like oh we're really excited about the web and digital uh okay so we're gonna let an intern run all that right it's like well you can't, which is it then <laughs> you know it's like we're really focused on our offensive line this year so we're gonna bring a bunch of homeless people and, and let them try out you know it's like well then you're not focused on it you're saying you are but you're not yeah. it. so you know that's that's you know, the kind of the frustration of, of that thing. So, you know, and like what you're doing and what I'm doing with Highway 81 is like you only have yourself to blame. So if you you land some, like you land that Bowling for Soup interview, which is awesome, it's not like, well, yeah, but the marketing department lined that up for me or this guy, you know, I knew that. I mean, yeah, you had to have a connection to make it happen like anything else in life, but it was yours to own. Yeah. And if you fall on your face you don't have anyone else to blame either. And I actually prefer that. I don't like, I don't like letting people down. I also don't like other people letting me down or relying on, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's probably like a mental issue, a control <laughs> issue or something, you know, but like, it's like, okay, I did that. Or I screwed that up. Okay. I will fix that. Now I have to now wait for someone else to fix it and maybe not even fix it. You know? yeah, well, that's why I started this, you know, because yeah. uh, the weekender kind of fell apart so to speak. And we'll get into that. Um, and then the radio show that I had for three and a half years got put on hiatus and that's fine. It's that's their money. It's their business. It's whatever. But I felt like doing this. I mean, no one can take this away from me. So right. we're just going to do it. Really that simple. Yep. But yeah, so let's, let's go back. Um, you were the editor at the Weekender in 2007. I want to say June-ish, I think you started. Jeez, how do you know that? It was actually, I think, July. But okay. That's, how, how, how do you, I'm just curious. How <clears> very you good with have, dates. I'm very okay, good with dates. Okay, oh, that's great. Uh, well. I'm going to have to ask you when my anniversary is then. So <laughs> if you're good with dates. Gonna, no, I am. You should I, get I, an I, app or something where you remind people of their things and their life. <laughs> That's like actually a good idea. Yeah. I, uh, well, or I you just, can just text people, right? Yeah. I'll just text them. Hey, don't forget your wife's anniversary. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's been weird. Like I can tell you, um, it's, it's, it's useless knowledge. I could tell you, um, what a song is within the, probably the first 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. And then I could tell you probably within a week or if not a couple of days of when it came out. Wow. In what year as long as I own it, as long as I'm familiar with the album itself. Yeah. Um, and that probably ranges between like the years 2000, eh, maybe not even back in the nineties, but as of like, you know, 2010, 2011, like I, it kind of gets fuzzy after that just because there's yeah. just too much going on, but yeah, useless knowledge that I have. So yeah, you so started tool, tool lateralis, but tool lateralis. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know either. So you could have just lied. I'd be like, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> January, uh, 1995. I don't know. 1935. Yeah. So I, I just lied. I lied. Actually, people don't realize that. <laughs> I just lied to you. So yeah, I just, that's yeah, fine. That's people lie all the time. <laughs> people have been asking. So yeah, that was uh, a lie. <laughs> Speaking of lies. <laughs> ah, good stuff. No, but so you started at the Weekender <laughs> in 2007. Um, how did that kind of happen? I, I know that, that you, were, you were in media before that. Yeah, uh, I think so, times later, but go ahead, tell right. the story. So um, I had some, so to, to, for people that don't know, the Times Leader owns the Weekender. So that's, you know, 
that situation. So Times Leader, the daily paper, I had interned there in college, um, had a really good experience there as an intern. It was, it was awesome, actually. And then um, I did my first job out near the Pittsburgh area, um, ended up moving back home for a job at the Times Leader, where I did a little bit of everything, um, a little bit of too much. I was really spread through too thin. I mean, I think I had about seven different bosses in through two and a half years because um, it, it was just crazy. So uh, that that was a rough experience. I mean, it was um, it, it, it was poorly run, but it was a the, the actual experience I got, like the nuts and bolts of the things I was actually doing. Like most jobs, that was good. It's the other stuff that was horrible. You know, um, actually, it got to the point where I would throw up every morning before I went to work. And for real, yeah, yeah, that was that was the times later. Um, wow. So uh, I left. A <laughs> big shocker, right? <laughs> um, and uh, oh, here comes my cat. Are you going to join us? Come on, let's go. All right, or just ruin the furniture. You could also do that. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, distract me. Who's under here? Um, so uh, I moved out to the Philadelphia area, and um, it was an opportunity. I wanted to eventually pursue a master's degree out there, or at least have the option to at least be physically nearby the schools I went to. So I worked for a paper uh, out near uh, Philly in Pottstown, not to be confused with Pottsville. Um, it's between Reading and Philly. And then uh, I went to another place. So all, all the while, for most of the while, I was doing freelance stories for the weekender. And um, I just rambled a little too much. But the fact is I made some connections with the weekender when I was at the Times Leader. So I got to be good friends with Christy Greer, who was working at the Times Leader with me. And then she moved over to the weekender. And even when I was still at the Times Leader, I wrote like one or two articles for her. Like um, there's this band called Mo. It's a jam band who I was really into. And they were coming to the Grant Cultural Center. So I, I did a review of that. You know, just something I wanted to do, something they were able to use. Um, here and there a little bit, this and that. And then when I moved to Philly, um, I stayed in touch. Uh, Joe Student, our, our mutual friend, uh, was editor there at one point. I think Christy was general manager, so it was still people I knew. Um, I knew Joe a little. Uh, I know him a, become closer uh, over the years. Um, so Joe, I was doing some freelance work for Joe. Then Joe moved out to Philly. And he, with Christy, well, not like as a couple, but like right. <laughs> Christy moved out there. Um, there was a new paper called Philly Edge, which was like a weekender type paper in the Philly mostly in the suburbs. And um, Christy was general manager. Joe was editor, I believe, something like that. And Joe needed some freelance writers. So he's doing a little bit of that. So he's doing a little freelance work for him. In the meantime, Alan Stout, who I knew from when I was working at the Times Leader, became the editor at the Weekender. So this is like, you know, this guy's traded to this team for that. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, when you think of it, it's like, yeah. you know, uh, picture Charlie and always Sonny, like, who has Pepe Silva with this song going there. But um, so Alan was the editor of the weekender and I was freelancing for him. And I got in a situation there where um, things were pretty structured there. And uh, I had some experience and also interest in writing about like Grateful Dead related stuff and fish related stuff like those jam bands or what people call hippie bands. I just was interested in seeing those bands and um, they were usually good to talk to. And some of them like were, accessible, like some of the surviving members of the Grateful Dead, if they're 
doing some show at the Scranton Cultural Center, it was not out of the question that they would do an interview. Um, so he basically said, you know, if you could do that kind of stuff, anything coming to the Jazz Cafe, if you're interested, just pretty much write about it. So um, I was doing that. That was fun. Still working my day job. And, uh, you know, while this was happening, uh, I had a day job where I, I liked the company. It was, the, it was the opposite of what I was saying before, where the structure was great. I was treated well, but I didn't really, I wasn't passionate about what I, what I was doing. So I was like, oh, okay, kind of going through the motions. And then Alan says at some point um, that he's not going to be editor of the Weekender, Weekender anymore. He was going to take another position in the company, uh, newspapers and education, Times Leader. And, uh, and it was like a casual, uh, I don't know if it was on the phone, it was probably email. I said, um, well, who's going to be the new editor? You know, just so I would introduce myself and say, because there's no guarantee they're going to let you stay freelancing. You know, you're not on staff or anything. They could just not ever have you again. And uh, I think he said, well, you know, I don't know. He said, but, you know, have you thought of applying? And I had not. It had not crossed my mind. Um, I, I was happy where I was living in Philly. I had a lot of friends of mine within walking distance, which is crazy. But in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but those friends now, they're kind of getting married. They're, they're starting to drift a little bit. Cause you know, that post-college thing when you're like 27 and you're still acting like you're in college, but like in between those nights, you're going to an office. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think you probably know a lot about that, yeah. <laughs> but um, I wasn't quite there. I was like post that, but Somewhere in between, you know, like Britney Spears, not a girl, not yet a woman, or whatever. You know, I'm still, <laughs> still a boy, not a boy, not yet a man. You know, that kind of. And uh, so I was like, oh, you know what? Well, I don't know. And I, so I called a few people that had worked there that I knew because I'm like, all right, how often do you have an opportunity to apply for a job? And you could literally talk to like three or four people that could tell you what it's like there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I talked to a few people that I just previously mentioned. Those were, you know, and. Uh, well, here's why you want to do it. Here's why not. Here's this, here's that. And I'm like, Oh man. So, um, first of all, that's assuming that I would get the job. So I applied. It can't hurt to apply. Went through the process, interviewed with like five different people and uh, they made the offer and it was a really difficult decision, you know, because it, in some ways I'm like, you know, the moving back home thing felt like a step backward mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I'm like, I'm going to move from the Philadelphia market, a larger market to a smaller market is that a step backwards? But it was stuff I was passionate about and a lot of different things I liked doing, whether it was kind of um, working on some leadership things and like mentoring people to an extent, um, actually the nuts and bolts of editing a story and, you know, helping a story out, make it better headlines uh, um, and getting to write a lot more about music and stuff in the area. And another thing that, made the job attractive to me is through the interviewing process. I mean, you never know like what you're told in the interviewing process, what you're told they're looking for, what they tell you about the future of this product in, in any line of work and mm-hmm. what the reality is are usually a little different. And that, that's just life. Like if I was hiring someone, I'm sure what I tell them, it might not work out that way. Your schedule might change because of something, or, you know, it's not that they're lying. It's just things evolve. But one thing that the people were pretty consistent about is they didn't want someone to just come in and just keep everything an automatic pilot, keep everything exactly the way it was. They want you to come in and, you know, the word now would be disruptor. You know, they say like in tech, um, they, but they didn't want me to come in there and just like 
tear everything up and like, all right, you know, like we're starting over. So that was a little bit of the clincher for me um, because I wasn't interested in just going and just clicking the mouse. You know, I could do that anywhere. Why move somewhere for that? So that's why I did it. Um, I think now that I look back on it and um, it, it was a, you know, a rocky ride. It really was. It was, it was a bit crazy. Um, but I got a lot out of it. You know, I don't, I don't regret it. Like even the negative things had some good consequences for me. You know, I learned some things about myself um, and uh, about human nature in the workplace and, and um, made a lot of great connections and did things that I never thought I would do, you know, like event related stuff that I never wanted to do that I just kind of like jumped into, you know, and next thing you know, we have bands, you know, Strand of Oaks playing on a dock in Harvey's Lake and we're filming it, you know, that was, and, uh, you were there. Right? Was, that was one of my favorite. Uh, I yeah. still talk about that to this day. And that um, would not have happened anywhere else I have worked, including the places I've worked in New York. So. No. And it's funny. Like, so I wanted to ask you too, like, I, I kind of felt when you arrived at the weekender, cause I was there at that point for a couple of years. <clears throat> Um, you kind of came in and you, you took ownership of the job and kind of, of the staff. Um, well, not to interrupt, but you know, I think I had to, you put a lot of pressure on me. I remember this at hops and barley's, uh, I think it was like my first night there and you're looking like you don't remember this, but just me. I, this, yeah. I, okay. I'm excited. And you like okay. stood up and you're like, Mike Lowe's here and he's going to check this, this and that. And, this. and I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I just started. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be good at this. And uh, you're like, We're, you know, yeah. and I was like, okay, that people take this stuff seriously. Like the people that work there want this to be good. It's not just nine to five or 10 to six or, whatever. you know, it, it, it there was a, a good pressure in that way where uh, you knew the decisions you made and the things you did had an impact on, on people. And honestly, yeah. I have not really felt that elsewhere. Like, uh, I really, I really did that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a small group and there was even some people that didn't work at the paper that were there, like friends, you know, yeah. just the crew that used to hang around and yeah. I, I don't know exactly who all was there. Uh, it, it was in the, not the first room when you go in the yeah. second room, the more the dining room. Yeah. I missed that place. Now I could go for some of their, uh, those the coldest beers. I mean, those are the, oh. oh yeah. There's ice in the glass. And their food is fantastic. Oh God. That place yeah, they're, is great. They're anyway. Ice yeah. Ice. So that, that was what you were saying. You, you felt I was going to come in. You had this sense about things, about taking ownership of things. And that's a tricky thing too, because like even I use a lot of sports analogies because sports and music are the only things I, I truly feel that I really understand, I think in life. Um, but when a new coach comes and I think of like, um, I'm a big Penn State fan, went to school there. When, when Bill O'Brien came in as the head coach after Joe Paterno uh, left and died and everything, um, he had a situation where there was things he wanted to do his way, but like every move he made was going to be judged by maybe a million people. Now, the weekender is not that. But if I came in there and said, let's, uh, let's get rid of the model of the week, uh, Never would have happened. No, not happened. <laughs> First of all, I would have been overruled, you know, but if I even suggested that everyone in the office would have looked at me a little sideways and like, what is this guy thinking? What? what? Um, so you have to like balance keeping the tradition of things 
and what makes the brand what it is um, with evolving with the times and putting your own personal imprint on it. You know, not like I'm putting my picture on the cover, but it, you know, there was a couple of things I wanted to do uh, that I thought we should do. You know, the, the thing people will talk about, Oh, the weekend or the Wilkes-Barre paper. And then, um, you know, electric city is the, uh, the Scranton paper, which was, Electric City was a Scranton paper. That's true. Right. But, you know, the, the Weekender was branded as Northeastern Pennsylvania's number one entertainment weekly. I think that's the, the verbiage there. Yeah. But I felt it skewed toward Luzerne County, mm-hmm. which, how, how could it really not? It's owned by the Times Leader, which is based in Wilkes-Barre. The people are working in the Wilkes-Barre office. More people working there live closer to Wilkes-Barre than to Scranton. Um, so I was like, well, let's just keep it up. Let's just make sure if there's something big in Scranton, we don't miss it. And let's start making some connections there. And that would help advertising. We would hope to. So, um, you know, uh, th- there was that. And then uh, some of the music things. Um, well, the one thing I wanted to uh, musically, uh, you know, a lot of people, I know our friend, AJ Jump, he would introduce me to people and say, Mike's the music editor at the weekender. I wouldn't correct him, but someone would walk away. is like, just, I don't want people getting the wrong idea or saying, think I'm a bigger deal than I am or whatever, but I'm just the editor. There is no music editor, but we covered music so much, you know, that was, it was awesome, you know, to do that. But I felt I wanted to make it harder to get on the cover. And there was a time where all you had to do is release an album and that already put you in the top 1% of local bands because to release an album, you know, you had a book studio, you had to do this, you got the CDs printed out. It got to the point where anyone could release anything. And I just wanted to like, okay, let's, let's not use the same format for coverage for a new business or a new system. So, you know, band releases album to me is not cover story. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and sometimes, you know, things will be pitched to me internally from, from our boss or whatever. So-and-so is putting out an EP. I'm like, and? It's like, well, what do you mean, and? I'm like, this isn't 1998. You know what right. I mean? Like they're doing that. And then what? Um, oh, they have a CD release show. Okay. Where is it? Oh, you know, Jimmy's rock club. I don't know. You know, like, okay, fine. Um, it's like, Oh no, it's a tinks and it's going to be sold out. Like, Oh, and so-and-so produced it from whatever band. Oh, all right. And this is their third album. And you know, this and that, like you just try to make it like a bigger deal. So sure. that way when it does happen, it's, a, it's just like, Oh, that band, that band's on the cover of the weekend. Not like, Oh yeah. Every week we have a different band. So that was something I tried to, to do. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I achieved any of these things. I just know what I tried to do. It's probably a matter of opinion, you know? No, that's, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, you can't just put every Joe Schmo on the cover of the weekender. I mean, I think we had, I mean, we as a staff put our, you know, blood, sweat and tears in that thing. And we wanted to make it the best possible. And, you know, if you just did whatever, like, you know, like you're saying, oh, this guy's putting out a, a three song EP, like who cares? Or, or if it's, you know, I don't know, just name anything. It just, yeah. And it, you it know, that's reserved sometimes too. It was reserved. Feathers sometimes too. Yeah. It, it really was, would, it was reserved for, you know, something good happening. And like, we took pride in, in it should be special. Pride. And, you know, I figured it out one year. Um, Cause I remember I had, tacked to my board it was every week you know january 10th whatever and then you'd write in what cover it was so there's 52 weeks in the year obviously but right off the bat there were like 10 covers that were gone they were already 
you know, promised out, so to speak. So you'd have um, model of the year cover. There was the model of the year, if I remember, preview, and then the, the actual model of the year announcement, whatever. So there's two. And then there was the Christmas issue. And then there was Conspiracy Cause. And then there was this and that. And the Swim other suit. thing. Uh, what was that? Swimsuit. Swimsuit. There was the um, uh, Which were tattoo, cool, the tattoo convention, right? Yeah. So those are all cool things. But I'm looking at that and I'm like, so now you're telling me we could come up with like 42 covers a year. So yeah. we're not going to give those away. We're not going to just be like, ah, throw whatever on there. You know what I mean? You, it's tough to, to you had to make it more difficult. And I remember the one thing I, I talked about with uh, Rachel, who was our boss. I'm like, well, what if we did, we had a music issue. And I think eventually we came to the decision, like we cover music left up, down, sideways every week. Like we've established that. Why don't we just kill off the music issue? You know, we're, right. we're going to be forced to come up with some theme that, you know, it's like, okay. And I think even um, there was another thing where it was a two for like the model year. Like, can we just do one? Can we do like a, you know, um, so those things were cool, but like that, you know, it was just, just maybe uh, increased the value of, of what that cover meant. Not saying anyone else was devaluing it. Right. Um, just a different set of ideas, you know? Um, yeah. And talk a little bit about too. Like, I mean, you and your, I think it was Nikki was the staff writer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and you, you guys didn't like just pull stock images off of the, the internet. Like, right. I remember we used to like, you know, get local people involved. We would do cover shoots. We would, you know, really. I mean, yeah. That goes back. I mean, that goes back way before my time. I mean, we had, remember we had the framed issues in there and I used to mm-hmm. look at some of them and then we changed some of them out. If we had a new thing up and you know, there was the one in the bowling alley. I think Jim Gavinas shot that. It was Mighty Fine Wine, maybe. Uh, was the band like so? There, that was always the thinking. I think at the weekender, it wasn't. Um, I mean, if you were writing about like a, a national band, if you you had an interview with uh, Aerosmith or something, you probably weren't going to set up a photo shoot. With right. Aerosmith. Right. So in that case, you would have the the stock image. But you know, we have ideas that maybe well, let's do this to it, or let's uh, you know, you know <laughs> one of these. But like. Uh, we'd either take a photo or, you know, illustrate some, and by, when I say we, I don't mean like me personally, I have no right. visual, no artistic visual art, art talent, but um, yeah, we would kind of brainstorm those things out. Um, and you but mentioned think, it. Yeah. But I think that like, it made it special again, like right, we right. Yeah. took the time to do that. And um, it makes it stand out. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, but like, I, I think people don't understand like the amount of time and effort that it, it took to, that we put into that because no, maybe, you know, and if you're doing it right, they won't understand it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, everything should seem like if I, you know, if a restaurant is having problems and the cook is fighting with this guy and the, this is happening as the diner, I shouldn't know any of that. Right. Like if the waiter's like, Oh, what a day, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. So like, when, you know, it should look like easy, you know, and like there was a reputation, you know, the weekend or it's like a bunch of partiers and they don't work hard and they're just drunks. And that, that might've been the, the, um, and we're both, you know, we are both drinking just for, for the visual record here. Cheers, sir. Yeah. Oh, I, I got, I, 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 uh, I'm using this for you. Oh, good. Yeah. Big fan of the Red Sox. Big, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> but, uh, this was, uh, 2013, just so you, in case, cause it's been a long time since you guys, uh, the you Yankees that is, has, uh, yeah, I'm not on the team. Don't gone to and won the world series. I got the S network on over here. Brian Cash. Yeah, you guys, guys <laughs> watching the old, uh, world series wins trying to live. Really, <laughs> you know, it's, 
relive you know, the past. Funny. You know, it's funny. Uh, I saw a show the other day. It was uh, listed New York Knicks classic. Uh, it was like classic games of 2020, and it was like two hours long. I'm like, how? That should be three seconds long. That show, like, <laughs> the Knicks, come on. But um, yeah, the Yankees got to make some changes, I think. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, what, was, what was the question? What were we talking about? Drinking. Oh, Drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like. There was an <coughs> the thing. I remember an ad for an ad rep, like a, a, a want to add a job ad. And it said like something like want to work hard and play harder or something, or come join us as an ad rep. And I even sat, I'm like, Oh boy, we're going to be just getting, you know, drunks because it, but, but I think part of it was playing up that image too. I think within the company, we were yeah. really seen as like these, all those young goofballs, you know, those crazy kids over at the weekend or, you know. Oh, we were the redheaded stepchildren. Yeah. Like they, I think they Always. thought like we were having like orgies and doing both <laughs> off our desks and like, you know, that was only on Thursdays. I mean, I don't know why they thought that that was <laughs> If like, you guys were doing that, didn't let me know. I would be very upset. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. We used wow. to go to that, you know. No, I thought but, that um, first, I thought that first, uh, you know, cheers to you would have really uh, got me in the club, right? Yeah, no, nah, that wasn't enough. But uh, <laughs> no, but like, um, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. To be honest with you, I, I we were just, just saying that you was know, the, the the image, the idea that yeah. you know this is a goofy thing. Oh, you're talking about people who didn't understand the work that went into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think most of the time you just don't. You know, like I'm watching the TV, I'm not thinking about it. Made it. You know, like if if you do things properly, you shouldn't really be drawing attention to. Sure. Um, yourself either. And that's uh, actually, that's something I'd like to touch on because one of the things that made me a little nervous about coming to the weekender is like, I love talking like this and having discussions about like work and life and, you know, stuff going on. But, and you know, I'm comfortable talking about myself in situations like this, but I got one thing that made me a little nervous about the weekender is, you know, picking it up. I I felt like uh, there was a bit of a, of a, uh, an attitude that the people that worked there saw themselves as local celebrities or something like that. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but that, that made me like nervous on two levels that one, uh, am I going to be working with like big ego maniac types type people? And number two, am I going to be expected to behave that way? You know, cause I'm, Again, I'm comfortable with this, but like getting on a stage, like even though, you know, we, we did have a, a lot of good opportunities to like do things, you know, like usually if you're working in advertising or on the, the, the content side of things, you're probably usually not going to go on going onto a stage and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome whatever band it is. You know what I mean? Underground side. Let's give AJ's old band a shout out, you know? And uh, I was like, I don't want people looking at me. I don't want to, I don't want other people thinking that they're celebrities, you know, like am I going to be working with like, you know, don't you know who I am types? And it ended up not being that really. Um, and part of it, you know, I wanted the work to kind of speak. Like don't, don't, you know, the whole show don't tell, like right. don't tell people, like don't like, you know, don't, we had ads like about, and it makes sense. Like I'm not thinking like a promo person, but an ad that would say bringing you the greatest music coverage in Northeastern Pennsylvania. You know, I'm like, I'd rather use that space to actually have some music coverage. And let's not, you shouldn't have to 
say it. But you know what? The New York Post, I think, says on the back, the, the best sports section in the city. I think right. it says that there. So maybe I was a little too sensitive to it because I, I was like coming at things like super like never draw attention to yourself, you know, because, you know, you're kind of taught like even in journalism, right. like stay out of the story, you know, don't don't bring yourself into it. And, you know, that was my like way of thinking. I was really stiff in that type of thinking, you know? Yeah. Well, I think there's also too like <clears throat> with, you know, editorial and, and that side of things, it was always very, you know, church and state. Yeah. Almost, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I, I saw both sides. I was, you know, I, I was a, the, the GM at one point. So like yeah. I had to kind of manage those, those two avenues, but like, which was cool because how do I say this? I, cause I always feel like I, I was a host at a restaurant as well as a server at a restaurant. And I feel like everyone in, in the, in life should have to be a host at a restaurant at mm-hmm. one point in their life, just to understand like their position. So like, and I say that because I like the fact that I was able to see both sides. Um, but I think there's, it was a, I, I appreciate what you said about, you know, taking that space and, and filling it with content, but I also appreciate the side that like is an ad that says like, Hey, yeah. you know, we're the number one, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think I appreciate it now. Yeah. And, I, I just well, think and, you have to have that. And, and also, you know, in a weird way, it's like you were boosting or not you, but you know, the, the paper was deciding to promote the stuff that I was working on, the stuff that Nikki was working on, the whole editorial team, which was basically me and Nikki and the freelancers. Why would I like scoff at that? Yeah. But again, you know, I was a little younger, a lot younger, I guess. And um, yeah, I was actually never had that kind of like backing or support before, you know? But, and, uh, so, and I, it was, a good, it was a good thing. It all came from a good place. I yeah. think part of it was just me being like, um, reserved yeah yeah in a weird way i mean for as much as i talk and everything but like when it becomes like the spotlight type thing i'm like uh you yeah. know like so it's like embarrassing like i remember uh, I, I won an award which was great i was so excited about it and um they put a full page thing in the picture of me and it was so it was so scary because they said like you have to get your picture taken today i think it was a wednesday and wednesday was our day where we just showed up kind of like this because that was the day the paper came out, and the night before we were there late. Yeah, it was like the walk of shame in the sweatshirt and the walk this and that. Walk of shame the, in the work on Wednesday. Take the picture. I was so embarrassed, you know. Yeah. And then we used to do the Christmas pictures, you know, and they were funny. They were fun, you know, like the the family picture. Yeah. Type thing, and uh, I remember my friends have a fishing cabin out in Laceyville, uh, like which is out there, like Wyoming County, I guess. And uh, I was up there one weekend for fishing, and on the refrigerator was that Christmas photo from the weekender. And like, there was who knows what drawn on me, you know, mustache or something, you know, before I, now they wouldn't have to draw it, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, the thing that really used to bother me though, is like, I could have did some interview with like Jesus Christ himself. And I wouldn't, you know, no one would really mention it. And then the next week people were like, Oh, I saw your picture in the weekender. Well, that was so cool. You were there at the Christmas thing. Or I saw your picture. You're there's a look what you missed and you're out some bar. I'm like, and again, it's like you don't want to be like, Yeah, I'm mentioning that. But it's like I actually worked on something right. that I studied and love and whatever. And you're not mentioning that. And then it's like, you know, 
Yeah, that's but, tough. And I, I, I do understand what you're saying. You, you know, you, again, it took I, you hours to do what, what you did. And they're looking at this picture that took us five minutes. Nonsense, we were, right. It's goofy. They were embarrassed know, to do in the first place. Yeah, dicking around. But, no, I get that. Know. But that, I mean, I think both sides, you know, together, you know, made it what it was. And absolutely. And then you had, to, you know, one thing I loved about it was, you know, we had the competition, we had the electricity, like, yeah. and <clears throat> I'm born, I was born in an era with Michael Jordan and, you know, Michael Jordan, if you talk shit to him, like he would just straight up embarrass you. Right. And I had so much pride and it kind of goes back to what you said when, when I made this toast or whatever I did that, that I don't remember, like yeah. that was, that was genuine whatever I said oh, yeah. Yeah. was so genuine. And I, and I say to this day, well, I said during the time of my, my tenure there that I would have got a, a weekend or logo tattooed on my body. That's how passionate and proud I was of that product and had, I never did it, but had I done it, I don't think I would have been embarrassed. Like, or I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't regret it to this day because like, that's how much we all, yeah. like we all, and we'll get into that on your end too. Like, yeah, we, 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 we put everything we had into that thing. And, and, um, at the end of the I mean, day, you look like, back on it and I, I think I, I put things into it that I didn't know I had. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how, what? Like, how, how did this happen? You know, like some of the stuff is like, why was I interviewing Slayer backstage? Yeah. And it ended up, uh, you know, getting, I don't know, like a hundred thousand views on YouTube and everyone hated it because they didn't like the way I was dressed. But like, you know, <laughs> and it's like these crazy situations, you know, and, and you're like, this is happening to me or I'm helping make it happen. It's not just happening to you. Right. Um, in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, uh, it's not the middle of nowhere, but it's also not the, the media City. capital of the world. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it really, it's just very interesting because I've, I've been lucky to have some, some good jobs, and good opportunities. And I think about that one a lot, you know, um, I stay in touch with more people from that job than any other job. Mm-hmm. Um, I made connections there that I'm still using today. Um, it's, it's just pretty interesting. It's kind of, you know, I listened to your episode with Leslie, you know, you know, it's kind of the same, like, what is it about that place? You know what I mean? There's bad days and good days. There, there, it was a place of extremes in my mind. Yeah. It, it wasn't, there was never like just your, what happened today? Oh, nothing. It's like, <laughs> oh, it happened today. Some, somebody came in, their kid was running around and, you know, this other person came in, they were crazy, you know, and this happened and then, I almost threw something at someone over this or that. And it was like, a, you know, it was, it would have actually been interesting to do a reality show, you know, on oh, a place like that, it, you know, because I always said for sure. I mean, the office kind of came out um, yeah. around the same time. Yeah. 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 I mean, <clears throat> and maybe we, maybe it wouldn't have been funny or amusing to anybody to anyone else. else. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for us, I mean, it was just interesting. And then you factor in the nightlife segment to it because a lot of us would then go out. Sometimes we kind of had to, like you weren't really forced to, but there are events that you were pretty much expected to go it's to. Encouraged, yeah. I mean, like, heavily encouraged. I mean, if if you couldn't make it to like the model of your party, there had to be a pretty big reason. Yeah. Um, well, not to mention we needed know, help too. Like we we I mean, to that make was the event happen. You, know, to, you needed the man. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have them. I mean, we had a, a marketing team. Yeah, we had a marketing team, which was at one point was me and interns, yeah. a person and a few interns. Yeah. Yeah, but like. You know, thankfully I was single for most of that, that time yeah. as the marketing person, because I went to literally everything and yeah, yeah, 
that's not a job for a guy or a girl uh, who has a significant other, whether it's settled down into any sense of normalcy. Yeah, I mean, it's not because, just, but yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I wasn't, it didn't matter if, I, you know, I, I was impressed with the way those things would roll out. You know, like I could just show up. Yeah. I didn't really have to do much. I'm like, Oh, wow, this is cool. I'll have a few drinks, you know, talk to a few people. Yep. Um, that, that, yeah, the, those, those were cool. And then there were the things that I was, directly like hands-on with like weekender sessions and fixtures the other one those, yeah, those were a little let's, more nerve-wracking let's talk about those two good. things i think those are two things that um you kind of brought to that yeah um product um that yeah. really were were great things um i think oh, you, thanks. I, don't know, I don't know how if it was sessions first and then fixture or fixture was first fixture was first yeah and fixture was at a bar uh called fuse Right. Downtown yeah. Wilkes-Barre, which is in the Midtown Village. Uh, right. I'm trying to think for a reference right now. I think I got where, where Katana well, was. Katana was. <laughs> the best yeah. reference is another closed place. It's now going to be Geisinger 65 Forward. Um, there's also a place called Boozy Bees. But, like, I feel like yeah. Fuse, and shout out to uh, Romo, not Tony Romo. I don't remember his first name, though. His last name was Romanowski. Ron? Was it Ron? Ron. Ron. You're right. Ron. I think Ron. Yeah. But we called him Romo. Uh, but yeah. that bar was fucking cool. It was cool. It was, and that spot was cool. Like it, it was, was like just a, way, it was ahead of his time. Like it was just too far ahead of his time. Like, yeah. But I mean, that, you know, speaking, sometimes you could be too, too far ahead of your time because so you're asking about fixtures. So basically, um, I think the idea was uh, I had done this story. It was one of the stories I was most proud of. Um, it was just on like the indie rock scene of Scranton Old Square. And I, I remember I had it like charted out, like I was outlining the story. I, you know, usually won't do that, but if it's like multiple pieces, I think I interviewed 10 different people, people I had no idea. I never met them. I was a nervous wreck. I went up to um, test pattern, which used to be a craft in the bog. It was mm-hmm. an all ages venue. And I talked to the like proprietors there who were you know, young people, uh, some about my age at the time, but I was like 30. That's relatively young and talked to them and, um, you know, talked to Brian Langan who I had never met before, uh, whose band at the time, the swims were a big part of that. Uh, a couple of record labels, there was prison jazz records and they put out like the okay Patty albums and this and that. And, um, one of the, one of the things I do remember about that story is, uh, being told, um, you know, the Bog is a bar in Scranton that has uh, a lot of these bands play there. And uh, one of the owners, he's a drummer in, in some of these bands, and he'd be a good guy to talk to. His name is Brian Craig. I'm like, okay. So somebody gave me his number, called him, left a message, never called back. I'm like, who's this guy? Right, you know, whatever. And uh, some time passes, and uh, he ended up being one of my best friends. And, and Brian, you know, just... Uh, passed away, uh, I think about two years ago. And just one of the greatest people I've ever known. And like so many people will say that about him, you know, um, and they're all telling the truth. He was, but he, he was just such a great, 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 great person. Um, and I, you know, I have his photo from the funeral, you know, the little thing they hand out in the refrigerator and, you know, just, uh, but, but the, the thing, I was very proud of that story. <laughs> and, uh, when it came out and I remember going to the bog, and there was a show uh, was going to be across the street, a test pattern. One of those bands was going to play. Remember Alan came out to the bog and he was telling me, you would really like the bog. Isn't that? 
he nailed that because I really did. So Brian Craig is working. He's like, oh, that story was great, man. Have a beer, this and that. He's like, sorry, I didn't call you back. And he's like, see that guy behind you? That's that guy you interviewed on the phone. He's the singer in the band, you know, because I didn't know what he looked like. And that's how Brian was too. He was like a, a matchmaker of people. I don't mean just relationships, although he did do that too. I think people got married because he introduced them. But he'd be like, oh, that's John Popko. You should talk to him. He works at the weekend or he, he works for 92.1. You know, like he would just make these things happen as he's behind the bar doing his job, talking to this guy. Um, and I'm like, this place is cool. Like, I like this. And these people seem cool. And um, these bands seemed like they were doing something a little different. And they were all doing something a little different to what The Weekender had been maybe involved with. Because in addition to covering music, we were involved with shows, presenting shows, doing different live music things. Um, there was a series at Montage. Uh, there was a series um, with, you know, to mention Alan again, uh, The Mountain, 102. Three, one, two, I think it was three, the mountain, that a weekly series. And um, like, what if we did like a series and spotlighted these types of bands and even brought some in from out of the area sometimes and this and that, and, uh, but didn't step on the toes of the mountain grown thing. And uh, it, so that's what Fixture was. So we kind of came up and you were probably part of it deciding, all right, where are we going to have it? What are we going to do? And I, I don't know if I, I was. I, don't I was know. adamant I that I wanted it. I was adamant that I wanted it to be in Wilkesbury mm-hmm. because I thought. So now I'm a smarter person. I'm a smart, not smarter. I'm more experienced and I'm less ambitious. I didn't want to have it at the bottom because I felt they were already doing that, and we would just be slapping our logo on it. They're gonna sneeze. There you go. Right. I, w- I did it in the elbow. I did it. Yeah, in the you elbow. have to. I mean, yeah, socially distanced. I've been told yeah. for nine months. I, uh, sne- and I held it in. I didn't even sneeze. You're supposed to do it on this part of the elbow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even sneeze completely. So no, just, I was told that like ten years ago. It was my friend's get, girlfriend. Now wife's like, no, oh, you didn't sneeze on your elbow. I'm like, I didn't. What now? What? What? Just, Why would I, I do that? I want to make sure yeah, that it can good. transmit through the computer to you. Yeah, so I don't think it can. So the smart thing would have been to just have it there, but. Again, I said I wasn't smart. So I said, let's do in Wilkesbury what is happening in Scranton. And most people are like, what's the difference? But if you actually lived there and did the job we did, you would see that there is a difference. Wilkesbury had more of the hard rock scene and venues. Um, right. Kind of tailing on the Bay Breaking Benjamin phenomenon. A lot yeah. of bands would fall under that genre, 97, 9X, all that, which you could get in Scranton too. It's not exclusive Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> but Wilkes-Barre felt to me more of like a hard rock, right? Uh, modern rock as it was called, uh, even though it was an outdated form of music really. It's good, yeah, at some point, maybe um, to an extent. Some of I mean, it, that, you know, it's, it's stuff that you would put on a, a leather jacket. You have to call it something. Active rock became, a, a, <laughs> the, I think, what the radio stations would call it. Yeah. They maybe still do. Um, but anyway, it's like, well, let's do a milk spray. And then someone came up with Fuse. And I remember being in there and like looking around and like, hmm, you know, this could go there, that could go there. So we worked it out, you know, and it was, it was, it was cool. And we brought in like, um, we, you know, locally, we, you know, we had Underground Saints, we had the Swims uh, and the Money Notes, which was a, a band that I loved. Uh, Cabinet, who is now Cabinet, uh, still Cabinet. Um, from out of town, we brought in this band called Illinois that was, so much fun. I don't know if you're at that one. Uh, band out of the Philly area. Lewis and Clark opened up that one. Um, it was a band uh, that you brought that I that I love, and I can't think of it now. Was it Fooling April? No. The guy on piano? No. No? What the hell was that band? And it was at 
And they came yeah. in from out of town, or were they? Yeah, it was out of town, out of town group. I remember that might have been Illinois. No, no, no. Shit, I can't remember. I don't have unless like any of this stuff. Unless it's a band you. that I'm, I thought you had. It's something. Yeah, different. could have been. Um, so know. that was a lot of fun, and then, um, but then you know, so that was a partnership basically. So it was the Weekender and Prairie Queen Records presents. Right. What that meant is me and Bill Orner. So Bill Orner, who now manages Billy Strings, who's a big deal. Um, I think he lives in Austin, Texas, but he was a Scranton guy. So we worked on this and he would work on getting sound and he would book some of the acts, most of the acts, I would book some. And then he had a job that sent him to Connecticut and couldn't really come to any of these shows. So we had to scramble to get sound people, this and that. And the other thing, and then um, one thing led to another and the bar was for sale. And uh, we didn't want to have an event at a lame duck venue, you know, right. um, even though it was a cool spot, there was a pretty much a parking lot there. Um, really no complaints. Uh, sound wasn't perfect, but most places do not have really good sound. They, they yeah. didn't have their own PA system. So I, I was on a trip to Philly with, with Brian Craig to see one of his bands play. And we we're at the Kyber in Philly and Bill was there. And I was telling Bill my predicament, he goes, let's just do it at the bog. Like, talk to Brian, let's just have it there. So we decided to do it on a temporary basis. And there was a whole situation internally at the weekender. But for us to have it there consistently, they need to become a regular advertiser. And that just wasn't happening. And I tried to get the bog and the weekender. By the weekender, I don't mean me. I mean people that right. handle the advertising side of things. And I tried to get them to just at least talk about it. And it was just, there was no bad blood or anything. I just couldn't broker that meeting or whatever. So we had to pull the plug. And the one I had to cancel, it was former members of Arcade Fire. Oh, wow. <laughs> who just got this review in the Rolling Stone. And I had to email them and say, don't come, the show's off. And they wow. never answered. But I didn't know that. I don't, yeah. I don't even, I even know forget the name I, of the band. But if, if I remember the, the whole bog meeting that like, I, I, don't know that I remember that happening, but like, again, I see both sides. Like, yeah, why would you want to take an event that's ultimately going to make a venue money because you're going to put people in the room. They're going to buy a beer. They're, they're going to benefit the advertising, yada, yada, yada. Right. For them not to have some kind of skin in the game. And I well, 100% get that. The other thing that I would have never thought of besides that is something that maybe you or someone else there pointed out to me is like, there are people that do advertise right in the paper every week for years and years and years. And we're not having anything there. Um, it, It was just besides business, which is everything. It was the perfect fit. Right. Absolutely. I, I, but I, that's I not love, enough. That's not Brian. enough. And it yeah, was just, the it, was just a frustrating, it was just a frustrating. It was just a frustrating situation. So that that was over. Now, weekender sessions. Basically, I stole the idea of the NPR tiny desk concerts. Sure. Where by now people, I mean, it, it goes to show you how long it's been going. Because if I stole it, that means it existed at the time. So um, you know, the NPR they they bring bands in and they play in the office. I'm like, well, why don't we do that? Okay. So the the again got got the okay to do it like okay great well what are we going to need to happen so the the two main people on that and as you see in most of these projects it was a collaboration it was usually me and another person you know um 
and it was Chris Hughes. Now, Chris, who didn't even work for The Weekender, he worked for The Times Leader, and he, he did a lot of video stuff and web stuff, and he, he was the, the guru of that for us. And he was he was great. Like, he, he would help out with everything. And he's like, this is great. Like, I could picture him. Like, he was so yeah. like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yep. And uh, so he would get together a camera crew, and he knew a guy that could do sound. And um, we had some cool bands come in. The first one we did was Underground Saints because maybe you've experienced this too when you're launching a new project. Sometimes the first run you do with someone you know sure, or a friend even because if it doesn't work, you didn't fly, well, fly, but they didn't come in from Philly or Harrisburg or something or they're not strange. Like they're going to deal with like the kinks you might have to work out. So we brought them in and it went great. Uh, underground saints and the thing i remember the most is they did this cover song uh how soon is now by the smiths so good and the vp of digital at the time got nervous and made us take it down and it's nowhere like it is nowhere unless chris hughes has it somewhere in some like video tape or whatever but he was worried we're gonna get like sued by the smiths or something so um maybe that was smart i don't know so that that's what i remember about that and we had some really cool we uh mike miz came in um, well, let's go to the, let's go to that really quick. Like, so we had a VP of what do you say, digital marketing, whatever. Digital, yeah, yeah, digital, I believe. Yeah. You know, and no involvement, right? So, I mean, he was he or she, I forget who it was, but um, I don't forget. But <laughs> yeah, I remember who it was. I know, I do, I do too. But um, we were left to our own devices, really. Like, we like, yeah, right. They wanted us to do all these things. They they wanted us to move things forward and like, hey. Print is not on its way out at the time, but like kind of like the writing's on the wall. But digital's on the way in. Digital is here and now, right? Right. Go do this. Right. But we need help. (laughs) Well, no, no. We don't do that. I mean, so I think that's a double-edged sword because on one one end, it's, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to have to learn it. So like there was this guy that used to update the Weekender website every every Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, whatever. It would always be a friggin' mess. And I'd have to email him the fixes and it wasn't really his main thing. I'd be sitting there. And again, I used to be so like type. Oh yeah. I I remember you were, you were remember Wednesday mornings. I'm like, you know, well, I mean, it should be uh, updated. You want it? You want it? Eventually I said, I'm going to learn how to do this and just do it myself. What's the point of me telling someone else or asking them to do this and to get him to do it. I was told he's not going to do it unless you CC the president of the company. Like, I don't want to get that guy involved because he's an asshole too. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so like he's freaking people you know and and it's like why don't i just learn so again chris hughes showed me like the basic html like just yeah. now like any a teenager could do this like embed a video <laughs> but at the time it's like how do i get the video actually into the article it's like well, right. you take the embed code I'm like oh and how do i do this and we had this horrible cms system it wasn't wordpress or anything it was this janky thing put together by solid cactus uh, might as well throw them under the bus too. All right, here. Let me pour some, <laughs> hold on. Let me fresh it up. Pour, wait, wait, what are you? What are you pouring? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on this is my talking soda. I gotta try. <laughs> it's a little. Uh, I feel like I gotta, I gotta feel so like when I, you have a, you know, hold on. Little on. on the rocks. Hold on. Not a lot of rocks left, to be honest with you. Well, not a lot of disarono left either. That'll that'll be that. I feel like if I have if I if I start I have a uh, mad. That's all she wrote. Oh boy. Do you have Drizzly in Wilkes-Barre? The, the Drizzly, it's called? It's a, uh, they deliver boost to your house? 
No. They are so good that if I text now for another bottle list, they might get it while we're still talking. They might wow. bring it here. Let's test but it. I'm not going to do that. That's it. Seriously, I, if you honestly, be a... I've had this like five years. If any booze in my house that's not beer will last years. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. Like I'm I have... not, but this, I just a little bit, I like, you know, it's nice, nice Thursday night. I'm in my, my, my bar. This is my bar in the back. So of your... It's beautiful. Have... It's nice. I have... I have so many bottles of booze that are in here that I, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a big liquor yeah, guy. Yeah. And if someone buys me, like I had a, a friend of mine come up for my birthday years ago when I lived in Scranton and um, he bought me a bottle of rum and I'm such a moron that I moved it. So I moved to, I'm like, Oh, thanks. I'm like, I, I don't really drink rum. I used to drink rum and Coke, like in the you know olden times. And uh, so I have this bottle of rum and it was so funny. Anytime I moved, I brought it with me because it was a gift. I didn't want to throw it out. So like I moved to like New York. I'm like, well, we've got to take that. And then I'm like, I eventually threw it out. So Dave, if you're out there, sorry, I never drank it. I had like a couple of blacks off of it one night. Dave, he hates I was probably you. mad about, you know, I was probably mad about something that happened at the weekend or went home. I'm like, ah. <laughs> this is it. We're done. But um, yeah, the digital thing, the newspapers in general thought the internet was like some crazy fad. Well, and then when they did, they paid. When they did get on board, they paid lip service to it and said, "We're going to do this, and we're the wave of the future. Digital this, digital that. But who's going to do it?" I in turn, I remember this <laughs> story where somebody might have been you sold a package for the Times Leader, a digital package to the Penguins, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. I don't know if that was me. And the digital team of the Times Leader never executed it. Like the thing never happened. So like you said, you got you had all those meetings, I remember, and like, oh, we got to go meet with digital. It's like, you got to sell this, you got to sell that. And then you would sell it. And the, the I guess now they would call it like a deliverable. Yeah. You know, that it was never. Yeah. They just, so it, that, that, that was, just didn't that was the struggle. And, and the thing I wish I learned back then is just to stay in your lane. Like right now at work, I stay in my lane. I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I, my lane gets smaller every year on purpose. I said, I'm in a bike lane now. <laughs> I said, if something is not in my job, I'm like, I didn't see that. Because when you step to the, the bad news, this is not a good lesson for like young people. But in most cases, when I saw something that I knew was not being done properly or I could help with, and I, I stepped in to help, Usually that would end up badly. Yeah. Because I would get too close to it and get like burned by it. Or then, or you do a good job on it. And someone's like, well, why don't you do this then? Why don't you do that? The next thing you know, you're coming home frazzled. I mean, that job, it, 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 uh, it took me a while to like recover from it in a way. You know, I couldn't look at the paper for, for a couple of years. I couldn't look at it. Are you saying that? I didn't want to see it. Yeah, I didn't want to look at it because it was right, like well, so, seeing your ex-girlfriend out with another guy or something. When you see, <laughs> because well, you, you, you talk funny. about getting the tattoo. I mean, it sounds insane. It does. But, um, well, so let's let's yeah, just the way it worked for us. Let's get into that um, because you know I've always said when I left the week, I left on my own accord. I, I think your story is a little different. But I left, I left. On the Honda Accord. I think. <laughs> no, it was actually a, a CRV. A CRV, was, yeah. yeah. But I, so I, <laughs> but I, I left, but I left on my own accord and. Um, I still felt like that was the, it was the girlfriend who cheated on you. Well, sometimes when you leave on your own accord, it's not necessarily a hundred percent on your own accord. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes well, yeah, things are put into play that are put you in a position where you have no choice, yeah. but to leave. So, you know, all, all these things happen, you know, you're, you're yeah, trying sure. to move things. You're, you're trying to move things forward. You're trying to, you know, advance the, the product in a, in a digital fashion. You're trying to, you know, you're, 
week in, week out, uh, every week, Prince on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, doing sessions, doing fixture, like just kind of putting your stamp on all this. And then come, I think, 2011 mm-hmm. uh, is when you. Right around Valentine's Day. It actually was. I, I right, do remember so you guys that. broke up on Valentine's Day. Yeah, right before him. Because I remember there was a jazz festival coming to Wilkesbury, and that was the last cover story. And um, so basically, here's what happened. So there's the general burnout of being at a job for four years. Now, some people have four years. What are you, what are you complaining about? But it's right. just, just this after that and that after this. Um, the, when the fixture thing fell apart, like that was like my pet thing. And when that wasn't there anymore, that probably in retrospect was like a, you know, one step toward the door, you know, that I could have make that yeah. thing continue. Okay. Um, so, you know, one step toward leaving, um, but maybe not. And, you know, you know, it's like, well, something else will come along. The sessions thing was cool. That was fun. Um, what was basically happening is there were, this is strange, it's hard to explain, but it was my understanding that the president of the company wanted some changes made to the content side of the weekend. So meetings were being held with the general manager of the weekender, who was also the vice president, of uh, vice president of Times Leader, and our graphic designer of the weekend. And they'd come back to the office. General manager would go in our office, wouldn't say anything. And then sometimes the graphic designer would be like, oh, you know, the, the president guy, you know, he said he really wants shorter stories in the paper on the weekend. He wants them to be, you know, whatever, 350 words. He said, well, is someone going to tell me that? It's like, I, I know you're telling me now, but I, I can't really act on, like, leaks from a meeting. This is basically a leak. You should have been in, in that meeting. Yeah, so like, you know, either I should have been in that meeting and, it, it, you know, I wasn't going to fight these things. I, I know I do understand, like, hierarchy. Like, you're, if I don't like that, then I should become try to become president of the company. Or, or you know, and these opportunities, these, these things happen. You can either quit, keep your mouth shut and be a good soldier or start your own damn thing, you know, but you, you, there's really no way to, like, do all those things, you know. So I was like, this is strange. And one of the last straws for me and this sounds like such a small thing, but there was a story that was pitched in a meeting. Very, this is such a small thing. It sounds so petty, but you know, I am half Italian. It so. is what it is. Yeah. There was a, 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 a guitar was going to be auctioned off to benefit something. I forgot what it was. And it was going to be signed by members of Breaking Benjamin and maybe even some other people. And it was pitched as a story. And I said, a whole story on a, just a signed guitar? I said, why don't we just get a nice photo? I'll get all the information and uh, write up, you know, a big caption. And I'll talk, you know, who it is. I was like, okay, yeah, do that. So they gave me the information. And the contact person was Mark Klopaski's dad. So uh, Mark Breaking Benjamin. Right. And uh, I emailed him. He's like, oh, we're so happy you're going to cover this. I said, yeah, we're doing a photo. Like, I let him know. This is not like something. He's like, oh, whatever. So I put that together, everything. So Wednesday rolls around. The paper's out. And, you know, you get to your desk. And you guys are making sure all the, you know, it's the the excitement of seeing the, the, you know, it's funny. Like, after all those years, it was still exciting to grab that paper. Oh, yeah. You know, in the morning. 
And like, yeah. okay, that looks cool. Like, even though you knew what was going to be in there, it was still like, now it's it's out. You know, it was exciting to see your work. And I mean, for me, it was I, digital, it was it was the first time I was seeing your work too, though, because I, I checked my stuff and and well, yeah, because you guys were like, well, I didn't know you had an interview with like Khalid and Camby or whatever. No, which I, did. I didn't. Yeah. That fell through, but it just came into my head. Um, uh, we're supposed to, and then the show sold out. I'm like, oh, they're focusing on rehearsal now. They're not going to great show. Tink stuff. No, it was a hardware bar actually at the time. Coheed and Cambria. I hate that band. Fantastic. That, that's fine. You hate them? No, oh, yeah, yeah. It was good. It's funny that I mentioned that you would point out that thing. So, I hate I hate the vocals. It's no good. I could see that. See, I, I've been listening to Rush my whole life, so you know, I'm, I'm already I'm yeah. on board to hear that. So, you know, you guys are like oh this ad was supposed to be here this guy's gonna call he's gonna be mad and like oh that looks that looks good oh this is good what happened here so i'm flipping through and i saw the thing the the guitar thing you know this guitar will be auctioned out with the photo i turned a few pages and i thought it was a, a misprint i thought it was the same thing again but some somebody had the the graphics designer dummy up something that looked like a story, but it was basically the same thing I did. And one didn't know. I'm like, so what you needed to tell me is, Mike, no, the photo's not enough. You have to do a full story on this. Okay, you're the boss. I'm either going to do it or I'm going to quit. I wouldn't have quit over that. But when I saw that, like, now I have, I'm not even in the loop about editorial content as the editor of the paper. I'm like, well, then they probably need to either not have an editor or a different editor. I've, I've been here four years. What else can I do? I felt like I've accomplished some things for myself. You know, we're all, we're all want to do things for ourselves. I've, I've done some things that are going to help me in my career. And I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to make other people miserable, which I already was, you know, um, I, I was coming home and like, I was horrible to be around. I didn't even want to be around myself. If that, you know, it was rough, you know, and uh, it, it was just like, F this, you know, so I don't even know when that happened. It might, it might have been months, but eventually, I don't know, one day I'm like, that's it. That's it. So I put in like a six-week notice. Might have been eight weeks even. It's like, hey, you know, not hey, I didn't say hey. Um, you know, thank you again for hiring me and giving me the opportunity for doing this. It's been great to be part of this team. I feel it's in my best interest and the best in this paper. I'll step down. Um, I'm willing to stay on until, you know, whatever that date was. Um, to help with the transition, even if you want me to be part of the finding of a new editor, I would sure. love to do that. I don't want any hard feelings. And I didn't get a response. Um, the boss was in Florida at the time and I didn't know what was going on. So eventually a couple days passed and I got called in and I was told today's your last day. And I said, what do you mean? Am I being fired? And they said, today's the last day you need to go speak to HR. Okay. So then I went down to HR and HR told me, you know, I was being terminated. And I said, what's the reason? And the HR woman said, the official reason is there's no reason. I said, can I get that in writing? And she said, no. And I will also add that she had, she was, she cried during the process, the HR woman, because she said, she said, I don't know why they're doing this to you. And, you know, I, I think of, again, to speculate, I think it might've been a power move and I don't, if I was disgruntled, not if I was disgruntled, you know, as a disgruntled person, they probably don't want that around. I mean, I know like if someone in, someone that has clients, like an advertising person, if you give your notice, they're going to escort you out of the building because you could spend your next two weeks on the phone. Like, Hey, uh, Bob from whatever bar I'm going over to, 
this other company or, you know, this radio station, whatever, uh, I'll, I'll contact you there. And then you could bring your account over there. I, I wasn't going to do that, but maybe they thought I would spread some like bad blood. So like, you know, it was to pack up the desk. Um, you know, HR person had to stand there as I packed everything up and people are like, what's going on? I'm like, so yeah, it was, uh, it was not a good way to end things. And it was, uh, I would say, you know, it was, it was actually kind of traumatic when you put some that much into something and to have it end that way. And I had a part in the way it ended as well, as well. I could have been more mature on the way I handled things. I could have been less excitable. Um, I think I would handle it better now, but I think I did learn a lot from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was either, if I had a wife and kids and all that, I probably would have just swallowed, swallowed the shit basically. But like I was, I felt if I stayed, I would lose respect for myself because if you're now, what, what am I even here for? You know, and how old if, if are you, you, if you If you hire me as the offensive coordinator and there's some other guy calling the plays and I'm like, I, well, why did we run a draw on third? Down? I didn't know anything about that. Like, then why do you have me as an offensive coordinator? You know, how old was I? I was, uh, let's see. 31. 34. How old are you now? 34. So I came in at 30 and left at 34. Okay. Basically. Yeah. I just turned 34. So 34 in January. Wow. Uh, so that, that's coming up on 10 years uh, in a few months. So, you know, I mean, it Not sounds 15, like, but. yeah, no, nothing is 15. But I mean, it, it's, it, it's, you know, if, if actually to talk about it is kind of strange because it sounds like, like, oh, woe is me. And like, oh, my life is horrible. No, it was, it was overall like the overhead view of the thing, you know, macro versus micro. Macro is great great experience met people wouldn't be having this conversation right now many so many friends learned so many things so many great experiences but you know most newspapers are mismanaged yeah there's there's a reason it's a dying medium you know most of them are not properly run and well, you know what do i know i've never run one maybe if they put me in charge it would have went out of business sooner or i don't know if it's in business <laughs> or nobody knows i guess they're uh, who knows I, but i feel i feel like what i'm doing right now is probably giving them more publicity than they've given themselves in the past like two years that's 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 nuts and true probably. yeah i I, yeah. I know that they stopped printing physical copies before the pandemic and I think the pandemic kind of expedited the process of yeah. not having it. That, that happened with a lot of businesses that were kind of on their last leg. And then yeah. they, they or, were teetering or maybe, and then the maybe, pandemic was. Maybe they caused the pandemic to, under the radar, go out of you know print. <laughs> Alex Jones agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's what you need to know. Go on America Straight Mall. We can't start the pandemic. I am not part of this comment. I have nothing. It's not me that said that. They probably couldn't even afford a lawyer to sue you at this point. <laughs> could they sue me? Sue me. No, could they sue me? Sure, why not? You just uh, slandered them. Did I? You said I'm they caused the worst I'm pandemic joking. in the history of the world. I'm joking. I think that's probably a problem. Yeah, Although, it'll be, it'll be more publicity than they've had. In exactly. So it's like, Hey, yeah, exactly. at least we caused coronavirus. Exactly. I don't know but, why we, uh, yeah. got on that topic. Well, I mean, uh, and the, you know, here's the thing I was thinking about too, before we had this talk, you know, the, the one thing that's, that's sad is to know that what I did there 
disappeared gone. and it's has gone, absolutely yeah. no, like literally everything was wiped off the, the archives, the internet. So like, if yeah. I, you know, I interviewed like some people that I was pretty pleased with and lucky and fortunate to, I have, I got nothing. Well, that's even beyond, that's, 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 that's so not only that, beyond like, you the, though. Like that, that's that, beyond that, me, but the things I did, it, it's like, it had no impact. Right. Like, but I'm, a few I'm years later, like, they were gone. It was like, I was never there. Yeah, but you did great things. Like Nikki Mascali did great things. Like yeah, there's a great, lot of great things. things that happened at that paper that are gone. But what's supposed to happen is that's supposed to be carried on to the next thing. Like people before me did great things. And even though I changed some things, I wouldn't have even been in that position if the people before me didn't do what they did. Right. You know what I mean? And like, like the podcasts we started then that weren't really true podcasts, really. But we did the Weekly Dose. And then we had the, um, that was the one that Nikki and I did. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Well, no, you, you guys, uh, and I, I tell you this, before, I told you this before. And that was the marketing one. You, I forget what it was called. Party Favors. Yeah, that was a you, great name too. Those, those were ahead of its time. Like, I, I, think it, yeah. as, I think as people and as a product, we were ahead of the times. 100%, right? Because you see like all these videos being done and you, you know, content yeah. is king. And I like, see some of this stuff and I'm like, we did this like 13. We did, but guess what? Up. And we did it with on a, on a shitty fucking camera. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know if I have that when I we left. Didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. We just did it. No, but we did it. But like, like imagine, well, this, imagine yeah. if we had some more support behind us. With those well, things. it goes to the thing. It was, you know, these things, they didn't, a lot of them, they didn't have any sponsorship. They had no money coming in. And when you're the person that decides the budgeting, if someone decided to give us a budget for that, they probably would have gotten fired. So that, that's the thing you don't really, you know, when I'm there, I, you know, I had the blinders on and I'm like, we need this for this. Why can't we get a sponsor for sessions? And why, you know, this is a great, product. but someone else is like, uh, there's other things we got to worry about, you know? So like, and the, and the, the, the holistic or whatever you want to say, the, the whole thing, the, the way the whole company goes around it, maybe, maybe they're right not to back it. I don't know, but um, I know I want them to. And uh, you know, it's, t- it's tough, but like I, I sent you an article the other day. It was about like, you know, um, it was about streaming video streaming. Mm-hmm. And there was some quote in there by some wall street analyst or something that follows like the digital space saying that, um, most innovation does not come within major like corporately held companies. But imagine all the hoops you have to jump through. Like imagine if you were working at Google and you wanted to start some project or whatever, imagine the meetings and the this uh, and that, but right. Boy. If you want to do, if you want to do something right now, you just do it. Yeah. You know, but if you want to light your bar on fire right now, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can do it, but you're not going to have the backing to, to, have it, you know, make an impact. So, and that's why I think it's great that people are doing projects like this that you're doing. And it's very professional. I mean, the fact that I can, uh, it's even on Spotify just looks so cool to me today. And I took a picture of it and sent it. Yeah. Thank but, you. Um, it's so cool. like, it, it's just, uh, that's the same Spotify I was on to listen to like Iron Maiden or whatever, like a couple of hours ago, you know, and there's project. that is, to oh, me it, is so cool. I, I and have, I have my, my logo next to Joe Rogan's and I'm like, really? Wow. I mean, yeah, it's like like most recently listened to or whatever it is, or your top. But the fact that it's even there, but yeah, just I mean, the it, fact to any, even any, be in that same any idiot, any idiot can put it on Spotify. Like it's not a big deal, but it's still yeah, just any idiot can, cool. but not any idiot will. Yeah. So that's the thing, like you know, it's like any idiot can record an album, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it's it's 
I think it's kind of cool. And the thing is, because anyone could do it, now, the, the good thing is anyone can now. The acts, the, the the platform is there. The problem is now that the that it's harder to stand out because there's just so oh, much. Yeah. It's the so same thing in music. I, I read something like, um, you know, if you put a song on Spotify, the odds of someone finding it, you know, it's Slam. like the needle in a haystack kind of thing. Yeah. So you really got to do something to stand out. And it's, it's hard to do something to stand out without having a gimmick or like making a jackass of yourself, you know, like, or like having, we're having a investor or financial back or having some sort of investor financial back. But even look at the sports, uh, sports people that are popular now uh, in media are the hot take guys. It, you know, it's not like the in-depth let's yeah. talk about the, it's like, I heard that LeBron James, this, that, and then it's a tweet war and this yeah. and that, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, you know, um, the barstool model, no offense it's what they're doing. Obviously it's very successful and a lot of it's cool. Um, did you see what he did today? No, did he eat pizza in Pennsylvania again? <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually, that's something he gets to do, and I don't. <laughs> no, he <laughs> he uh, he just did like a barstool fund or or something. I, I I literally just watched it before we got on this this call. Uh, shame on me for not remembering it, but um, uh, he's basically donating five hundred thousand dollars to like local restaurants. That wow. you know, it, I mean, to me, it's like. It's not a lot of money. I think that'll be gone really quick. Yeah, but it's um, five hundred thousand more. At least he's doing something. The Barstool yeah. Fund is what it's called. Um, you know his his uh, his uh, film guy or videographer is that does the pizza stuff. His dad owns uh, a pizza place in New York somewhere, uh-huh. so he's helping them first. But it's like you have to you have to be open and still providing um, employment to your, your employees in order to get funded. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, someone's like, yeah, I'll put your money where your mouth is. He's like, all right, fine. Fuck you. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, which is neat. You could. That's great. So sorry. That, you know, that, yeah. Off topic there, but. Oh, I mean that, that, yeah. Cause I, you know, I was kind of bashing the whole like hot take thing, but you know, people's attention spans are shorter too. And you have to be able to grab them with sometimes something like salacious or whatever that, that even going back to like model of the week, my, my hope was that, you know, a lot of people, if they picked up the paper just to look at the model that while they, then maybe they would turn the page I and mean, you're working backwards in the paper. Cause that's, that was the goal. I mean, that was the, the goal. You draw them in with that or draw them in with the, the Coors Light. Here's who's play, whatever. Coors Live. Coors I mean, that, yeah to see that dwindle was also very depressing. And you could, you could say that the course live was the thing that um, was just a list of what music was at every bar in the area pretty much. Yeah. And it took up like a page. Oh yeah. And then it got to the point that was like four things in there. And it was like, it was, that it just was, shows the whole, the way things changed. It was once at the point where it, the font size was almost unreadable because there was so yeah, many. There's so much, there was so much going on. I mean, and it, I, yeah, you're older than I am. So not, not by much, but like there were venues that were around before my time that were closed by the time I turned 21. And I just, I mean, yeah. Just so when we were, to, when we were there, that, that's, that's a good point. Cause when we were working there, we were hearing about all the, how everything's closing. Yeah. We thought those were the bad days. Yeah. 
and we had a full page of places where you could go see music. Yeah. Um, and now and then it's it got real smaller bad. and smaller and smaller. I mean, I used to think like how many, I used to think of it this way and you know, I'm not a musician, but how many places actually have a PA system? And it, it got to the point where I think of Luzerne County, it was maybe just the jazz county where a place where a band could play without bringing plug a sound and play. System. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point where you had in our day, you had nightcaps, you had um, the jazz cafe, you had the voodoo or whatever various names that went through over the years, Bruce brothers West and so forth. Um, I mean, you had a, at least a good five and then in, in, in Scranton, you would have had tanks and, um, there's a place called Blue Street. I don't even know if they had sound, but they were kind of like a jazz cafe-esque kind of place. And then it got to the place, point like, where are you even going to play? It's another thing. It's amazing so many bands came out of the area when there was, you know, I don't know if that wave is going to happen again because the, the last big wave of bands that became big nationally, Tiger's Jaw, Mandingers, Title Fly, that crew, right. yeah. when they kind of graduated from the Northeastern PA uh, they, they stopped being just a local band. They, they became beyond that. The, there were still places for them to play to get to that point. And the one they will always talk about heavily is Cafe Metropolis. Right. So it has a band become really big from Northeast PA since Cafe Metropolis closed. I mean, Cabinet became big and they, 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 they weren't a cafe, they weren't a Metro band. They were a jazz cafe band. But um, that era, like, you know, it, it, has anyone gotten to that level where like Tiger's Jaw, Benzigers, these bands that could regularly play the larger venues in New York and the, yeah, like the I, larger, I, the larger like club venues. I, if there's been one, I can't think of it. It's weird because I feel like, you know, when the recession hit in like 2008 ish, like that's when, that's when really the, the bars kind of, switch gears yeah they started using djs a lot yeah and then I well, you could look like, at weddings too weddings went in that direction too from live yeah. bands to djs and, and i just feel like i mean i feel like within the last three four years things kind of started moving back towards live entertainment being bands yeah but to what you're saying like what bands come out of this area you know on the level of you know those those names i mean you have you have University Drive who went on tour with yeah Cole, yeah which is pretty neat, um, but yeah I mean outside of that I mean I don't know yeah. that really and it doesn't mean there's less talent but also you know in some ways there might be less if you know you don't have anywhere to play then maybe you're not even going to start a band so like if you're a young young band seven years ago and you play like bluegrass type music you might be inspired to say cabinet is they're out playing these major festivals and, and you know, we could be that we, we could work our way up to headlining the jazz cafe and this and that. But if that disappears for you as an opportunity, you know what I mean? It's like, would you major in something in school? Yeah. If you knew there were no jobs in that field, like journalism <laughs> over here, <laughs> I got to figure out how to retire at my age at some point. But um, if you are like a tiger, like all those bands, they had someone to look up to. And I, then, so the next wave would be looking up to, because yeah. even for the blog, I'll interview people. And like, I grew up as a young kid listening to the men's and bears. And that makes me feel really old. <laughs> right. But what's the, yeah. you know, everything builds off the, the previous 
I don't know if it's a generation or half a generation, you know, like it's half a step younger or older. Yeah. But if, if your goal was to play Metro and it's not there anymore or test pattern and it's not there anymore or the vintage theater in Scranton and it's not there anymore, then what's your goal? What is your, where are you going to play? I mean, I know there's some other places now. There's uh, what's the place in Scranton that does, uh, there's a V spot and there's the other one. Stage West. Stage West. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's a different, it's a different world right now. I mean, it's going to, uh, I'm curious to see how things are going to kind of shake out once coronavirus subsides or, you know, we get the, the vaccine and, and we. I mean, I think there's going to be a heavy reset on the way things are. I mean, even yeah. if things get I mean, back to normal, like as far as society, I think the business is going to change a lot. I, it really is. Honestly, I don't think we've seen. And I, I'm speaking right now just for like the area that I live in, which is northeastern Pennsylvania. I don't think we've seen <coughs> the ultimate collapse of the local businesses here that will eventually close because of this. I think maybe a handful of closed or that as at least have been reported has closed. But I think you know, it's happening coming, here coming too. I mean, there are there are restaurants in New York, like legendary restaurants. Yeah. That, are done. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, like New York city has been the Mecca, like for business, for um, entertainment, all these things over the years, it's a ghost town right now. Like, what are you seeing right now? Why you're there? I mean, what are you seeing? It's um, so right. First of all, where I live is um, I'm in Manhattan, but it's, it's not like a heavily, not near like Times Square. I'm not near where there's like tourists and this and that. But it is an area where people live, you know, um, and people will come to go to restaurants and this and that. So before coronavirus, you would step out, uh, step out of the apartment in the morning on like a Saturday, and there'd be a lot of people walking by, sightseeing, and a lot of shops, and you know, just like any any larger town. Um, when COVID first hit, my first reaction was it looked like a movie set of New York. I went for a walk and I don't even know where I was going. It might've been just a walk to just go out into the world. And there was boarded up buildings because we also, there was the protests going on too. Right. So between the, the buildings being boarded up to, in preparation of, of protests and COVID, um, I was walking down the street and like, you could hear everything. You could hear if there was a guy coming by and like a delivery guy on his bike, you could hear the wheels spinning. You could hear him talking on his phone. If a car came by and they had the window down, you could hear their conversation. It's almost like when you watch sports now and you could hear them curse and like you could right. hear every little thing cause there's no crowd. It was like that. And it was like, um, I felt like I was waking up after like a war and stepping out and like, okay, okay, I survived. Let's see what's going on here. It, it, it was very strange. Since then, then there was like this thing where people were like, screw it and walking around without masks and like, or the mask under the chin, stupid jerks with the <laughs> stupid thing. And uh, some of that. And then now it's like, I think in between, you don't see a lot of nonsense. I mean, right, we're fortunate to live in a nice neighborhood. Um, there's a park nearby right on the Hudson river. Um, there was a whale in that river uh, like a couple of weeks ago, which is amazing too. 
humpback whale. But um, it, it's it's kind of strange. It's still New York. It reminds me of if you went to a large college and if you stayed for the summer to take classes. I got you. It's still just as big, but with less people. one, whatever, 1% of the people. And then a lot of people have just frankly moved out of the city too. It's not that there's less tourists and less people out and about. Yeah. They're but, like, fuck uh, this, know, the, stories about people leaving. Yep. I mean, we we moved into a nicer apartment, um, I think partially because of that, because we found a deal that was half decent. You know, it's still astronomically ridiculously expensive to live here, you know, but it's where a lot of the jobs are. And um, there's so many wonderful things to do here. I love it. I always loved coming here. My dad, who, who passed a few years ago, used to take me to New York to Yankee games and museums. And it was always like kind of in my blood that I, it's not like I had a dream to live there, but I, I knew I liked it. You know, there's a certain excitement. Like even when you step out in the morning, you're like, ah, this is cool. You know, and every, you, you, if you like history, you see, like, I didn't know that this street was named after that guy that did this thing. You know, that's like any town, like in Wilkesbury, everything is named after something or whatever, but here it's just on a different level. You know? Right. But it's just like, um, you know, not to be selfish, but you're like, if you really like a certain place, don't get too attached right now because it might not be there in a few months. Yeah. And a restaurant, you know, the, some of the best restaurants in the world and music venues, you know, like city winery. Uh, I don't know if you ever have been to city winery. They, they have, they're kind of a chain now, like uh, kind of like Hard Rock Cafe, where, you know, various cities have it. And uh, they had moved, they were getting ready to move into their new place doing the construction like down the street from here pretty much. And, um, they were doing that during then COVID hit. Yeah. I mean, there was a thing, I mean, not, not to get too off the beaten path. There was a thing on NBC last night. It was the, the Christmas spectacular with the Rockettes at Radio City. It's the thing my dad took me to when I was like 10 years old. So I, I try to go back every few years. And it's like this Christmas story and there's a nativity scene and there's, you know, it's like basically for kids, but like it makes you a kid at heart if you love Christmas. And I was watching this thing and, even I said to my wife, you know, the Rockettes, you know, the dancers that do the kick line thing. I said, imagine if your dream was to be in the Rockettes and you tried out and you finally made it this year when they're yeah. not having it, when they're not having their keynote event. I mean, the yeah. kid's not having graduations. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's, it's just, you know, the Thanksgiving parade. I mean, you know, New York and Christmas are like kind of a, you know, it didn't start here, obviously. No. Uh, New Year's Eve. I mean, think about that. Like, that's not going to be. That, okay, so now you finally came up with something good about coronavirus, that there's not going to be the New Year's Eve thing. And Christmas. I mean, if people come to town wearing diapers to go to this thing, <laughs> then it's not a good thing. You're right. I wouldn't be caught dead. And, you know, it's funny. When you live here, people are like, oh, are you going on a New Year's thing? It's like, why? <laughs> if someone yeah. made me, like if I was yeah. arrested and they said, you have to go to this. Yeah. But um, even, even if you go, that's when it's really eerie. I don't know if I, I don't think I've been like to Times Square, but it's like, I've seen video just these movies, like, you know, these movies where like uh, almost like an Armageddon type of situation where it's like the day after the bomb went off or everyone yep. died or whatever, but the, the screens are still flashing and the billboards yep. and everything. I mean, cause the, the, the thing is, I mean, you've been to New York when you walk around times square in the middle of the night, it up. looks like the sun is out. Yep. It's because there's so much. And it's like to have that, but no people, right. Or just a few people. It's, it's really freaky. I mean, what's it like there? I mean, if you're, you know, what's downtown Wilkesbury like compared to what it's usually like? 
Is it less of an extreme? It's fine. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's what it was. It looks like it usually was. I, I don't get down to downtown Wilkes-Barre often. I actually was there uh, just a week or two ago. Um, I went down to Loyalty Barbershop in Wilkes-Barre. It was bizarre, actually. Like, I mean, there was a, all these kids riding these Razor scooters around town. Like, I'm like, what is going on down here? But it's like Mad Max post apocalypse. <laughs> it, it was, dude. It was, it was bizarre. Like, I'm like, why are there, there are ten kids riding Razor scooters and there's just like people walking around like zombies? Like, I'm like, is this, is this what Wilkes-Barre has turned into? Well, the zombie thing is nothing new. Like, I remember uh, I, I used to walk to lunch. It just felt like more, but um. <laughs> How's the square? Did they do that? I'm sure they did the square up for um, Christmas, right? There are like, like there's like a Christmas, like, like different, um, what do you call it? Like, almost like huts for different businesses. Kiosks, kiosks. Yeah. But what I, what I wanted to say was the, the uh, Dunkin' Donuts in downtown Wilkes-Barre is closed. Like permanently? Or which, just, yes. I think it's, oh, wow. it's, so which is scary. Now, granted it wasn't a location with a drive through So that, had yeah but it was still a pretty heavily foot traffic there yeah yeah think, right? but also like you know like you gotta pay to park and parking is I think yeah no one's gonna pay to park at a dunkin donuts i think it's 250 an hour or two bucks oh, an hour it's it's that's ridiculous insane. that's like adding 250 to your, to I, your chat your so chat, your i put in i parked at loyalty i put in a quarter it was eight minutes put in a second quarter thinking all right this will get me 16 minutes Two quarters got me 15 minutes. I'm like, how does this work? Usually when you pay more, you get more. Like, or, 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 or you, yeah, you, you get more. It's like, if I pay, it, 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 I shouldn't get less minutes. I should get more minutes. I, what the fuck's going on here? But, uh, so yeah, so the Dunkin' Donuts is closing. Like, so there's a lot going against it. It's, but it's been there for a long time. And Dunkin' Donuts, as you know, probably has more money than God. It was kind of a nice Dunkin' Donuts, too. At least the last time I was in there. Yeah, but I mean... I heard there was a certain element that would be. Yeah, it's it's just element. But so that's that's the situation right now, which is which is yeah. That's that's not. I mean, the major change. I mean, uh, I but outside of I'm, that, I mean, I have I have I don't I don't go out much. I I I go to work. I come home. Um, I'll go to the store when we have to. Sometimes we get you know delivery, or curbside pickup for groceries. Like I I. Yeah. I'm not scared of the virus. Right. Now I wear the mask and I do all the things you're supposed to do. Yeah. I'm not scared of it, but like if I can avoid it, I will. Well, yeah. I mean, if you could have the groceries delivered and it's not going to cost much more money yeah. or you could go to the store and risk maybe something happening. Why, why would you risk it? You know? Yeah. I, I, I so, so that's the, that's your question. Like, I don't, yeah. I haven't been out to bars, so I couldn't tell you what that looks like. Uh, obviously now with NPA yeah. uh, indoor and dining is shut. So any bar that was you, doing, you know, it's a crazy thing. I would give anything to be in a bar and just like somebody that I don't know, like bumping into me and me getting mad at them for it. And like, <laughs> just like the, I miss like the nonsense of life, like yeah. just the general That's... bullshit. Like, um, I still take the subway once in a while to, for like doctor's appointments and stuff. And I get to see the, the crazy people and the whack jobs and whatnot. And, uh, but it, it definitely feels like um, it, it probably, I mean, it's gotta be the strangest time in this country probably since the, the world war two. Cause I, I was thinking about like, um, so I didn't live here during nine 11. Uh, but I was thinking about like 
9-11 was kind of a concentrated attack and yeah. it was over. I mean, you, there could have been a follow-up attack, but it wasn't like, I mean, I don't know if people walked around for like months thinking more planes are going to fly and other abilities. Yeah. You know, it, was, uh, it affects people, destroyed lives. It's a horrible thing, but this thing is just more widespread. Like every, you know, everyone knows someone that either has had COVID, yeah. died yeah. from COVID, lost their job because of COVID. And um, well, that's what I mean, everyone was saying like, oh, this is similar to 9-11. I'm like, this is not similar. I mean, it's a, it's a disaster. I, I yeah. Appreciate, I appreciate the comparison and, you know, the loss of life and, and, and how terrible it was because it was obviously it's terrible. National, but I mean, this is a worldwide thing. And 9-11 wasn't contagious. Right. But like, but like, you know what I mean? 9-11 like, was, it was, it was, it was kind of, it was, it was focused on, on, on and it hit three, three towns, it hit three yeah, towns. different towns, but like the main, obviously the, you know, it was, this is hitting every, there's no town that's not affected right. by And, and, and so that like a bunch us, of mini 9-11s. That brought us together. Way. 9-11 brought us together because we, we had this a common is enemy. Us, and this is driving us apart. Right. We had a common enemy that we knew what they were. We knew who right. they were. So right, we're like, the Red yes, Sox. Yeah. As, 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 you know, let's, what? The common enemy was the Red Sox. No, I follow you. No, it wasn't that. It was uh, <laughs> terrorists. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so. You say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> so, yeah. We had an enemy that we knew they were like. Yeah, and no one really disagreed about. There was some, yeah. But now it's like, we, we can't see it. We're being told to stay away from our, our, our neighbors, right. our families. And there's not an easy thing to say it was this guy's fault yeah. or this, you never this, know this problem's fault. And also like, I think with nine 11, um, there was, uh, there were conspiracy theories like, Oh, it didn't really happen, but there's those, those were, day. nobody really, they, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't, those theories didn't have legs. Yeah. That's like saying school shootings didn't happen, but now conspiracy theories, Oh, our, I mean, I was at, um, the physical therapist the other day for my foot. Uh, this is a minor problem, but two of the physical therapists, so are you going to, they're, they're talking to each other and I'm the only patient at the time. Are you going to get the vaccine? I, I don't know. I think I'm going to wait. And I'm like, my face is down because they're working on their foot. And I'm like, well, Bill Gates oh. is putting the, uh, the microchip yeah. in there. The tracking chip. Good. <laughs> These same people have had the, th this is a tracking chip. You've had it your whole life. There's a, yeah, exactly. There's, dude, it, it's so funny. You know, I, I've run into people who have said like, oh, you know, I don't want to use the, um, the, the roundup for the weeds in the yard because, oh, you know, they're saying it causes this, it causes that, and it smells bad, blah, blah, blah. Same person. Outside, cigarette breaks all day long. Mm -hmm. People are funny, man. It's people are funny. People don't realize what hypocrites they are. I'm sure yeah. we all do it. We all say things oh, that, sure. don't, I mean, that don't add up. I mean, here we, we are. Probably here do we, it all day. Here we but, are. Yeah, you know? yeah. But we know what this is. Like you know, if 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 you drink like a fish for thirty years and then they tell you something happened, you're like, yeah, of course it did. You know, you got problems with your liver or something, but. The conspiracies. So, yeah, it, 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 it's it's just why would Bill Gates? 
Bill Gates is retired. He's running a foundation. He doesn't even work for Microsoft anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's on the board or something. I don't know. And like, so he wants to control everyone with a microchip. I mean, it's like the, uh, the QAnon. That's my favorite. The QAnon <laughs> is the best. The Satan worshiping, uh, sure. drinking the blood of babies. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Sign me up for that. That, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, what I do want to, if you can do anything for me, Mike, I want you to get the, um, the religious guys oh. trying to like push out COVID and, and Oh my God. I want COVID-19. Yeah. That guy. COVID-19. Kenneth not, Copeland. Not that guy. I want, Kenneth I want, Copeland. You want the sidekick. And he's a millionaire. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Mm. That guy's a millionaire. I want his sidekick. The guy his that, sidekick like, is awesome. He's the epic man of the religious world. He looks he's, like, he looks like every moment of his life, he's going to just break out laughing. How could you not? Well, somehow he's able to keep it together. You should have him as him. your guy. I want to talk to him. You should have him on every podcast in the bottom <laughs> corner and everything you say, he just goes, that's right. Mm. Praise Jesus. <laughs> For anyone listening, we are, Mike and I are doing the, the uh, hand, Jesus uh, <laughs> the praising, the, uh, yeah. the Kenneth you know. Copeland, the heavy metal remix. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, oh, I love, I hate the internet and I love the internet. And then he blows. Yeah. It's I a, blow the wind of God. That guy, Kenneth Copeland. Did you see the one where he's in, uh, the woman's interviewing him in front of his car? No. And he's like, oh, beautiful. Like he's calling her and he's leaning in his eye, the eyes. Jeez. Oh, he's a he's national leaning. treasure. He's, he's, he's a national loaded. Treasure. Of course he is. Oh my God. It's, it's Those amazing. Guys have, I mean, I, me and my dad used to talk about starting some sort of crazy church. Cause it's like. You're tax exempt. Right. You you know, and people just you follow you for no reason. They don't even need to make sense and they'll still follow you, right? Oh, no, the less sense, the better. If you do make sense, you probably go out of business. <laughs> if you could if you could find a way to capitalize on the stupidity of the public, I mean you I really in some ways I really don't fault you for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. if you if you get people to believe that this or that and you know they donate money to you, like you're just taking what's out there. If they don't give it to you, they're going to give it to some other fake cause. They so are. Why not? You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Why not you? Well, Mike, really quick. Um, yeah. We talked about pre-weekender. We talked about weekend. Yeah. We talked about post-weekender. Um, yeah. We talked about where you currently are today. Right. We did not talk about uh, the fact that you got married this year. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh I think you uh, rescheduled it twice and then eventually canceled it. Yeah. It, it, um, I, I almost can't remember at this point, but uh, yeah, we were supposed to get married actually in Wilkes-Barre. And, um, but we, uh, Audrey and I, we, we, we got, we, we got married in New York at um, people say you go down to the courthouse. It's, it's a government building. It's not technically a courthouse. It's, um, I forget what it is. Uh, it's like one of those buildings you see on SVU <laughs> and uh, you stand in line and you go in and uh, next. Take yeah, pretty much. But it was nice. They, they take you into a chapel and, the, you know, but the, the thing that I thought was funny is like the woman that, you know, do you take this, you know, better or worse and all that business. And then as soon as you both say yes, she goes like this. And it was like, so I'm like, it was so efficient. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but so we did that in case stuff was going to shut down. Sure. Sure. Which it did, but yeah. We, yeah, we were um, going to we were going to have our wedding in Wilkesbury, and um, 
This, this has happened to so many people. I know. Uh, Matt Moore, our friend Matt Morgus, uh, was yep. supposed to have a, a nice wedding in Philly. Um, well, I wasn't invited to his wedding, so fuck Matt Morgus. Yeah. Fuck you, Morgus. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were supposed to have our wedding at a place that maybe doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what's going on. I, I know. I was excited. You invited me. I was like, yes, it's, you know, like my wife yeah. and I, we have a kid. So it's no, like, you said you're gonna be able to make it. I'm like, this is great. People I know I was going to see you in person. And then this, and then this yeah, happens. But you know what? The, the thing is like, it, coronavirus is killing people. And it hasn't killed me. And it hasn't killed anyone in my family. And yeah. maybe by the time you put this up, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'll be dead from it. Who knows? I mean, it's crazy, but, um, it's one of those things somebody taught me once too, like, you know, I was like, Oh, I feel bad feeling bad about something in my life um, because other people have it worse. And I said, well, just because other people have it worse doesn't mean you can't feel bad about something or not. So it's okay to be disappointed that sure. you didn't have a wedding, even though that's nothing compared to, you know, you're reading these people dying alone. They can't see their families in the yeah, hospital. And then the, there was a thing I'd see it on yesterday. This, uh, this doctor killed herself, you know, cause she just, just imagine seeing that every day. It just well, it, it sucks for these 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 moments that probably should, like war. It's probably like war. Yeah, you know. Well, it's it's obviously it's a terrible situation. Like you know, you can't compare a loss of life to a missed moment, right? To anything else, to anything, right? Right. But it's 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 it sucks for moments like you know you know, you're you're supposed to only get married once so people get married that way and it's it is what it is yeah people that's gonna be the memory like, you know, yeah like you're gonna look back on an actual wedding day yeah for the rest of your life yeah and i'm gonna look back on, on what could have been i yeah. mean what matters is what you do moving forward with that person yeah. and you know it's just symbolic and it's a ceremony but it's a chance to celebrate and have friends around and yeah and it's unfortunate know. it's unfortunate it, it is Again. i mean I, the graduations i mean that's the other thing too like right because that's that Doing graduate high school once. That, yeah, I mean, working toward that, you know, some of those kids were probably a hair away from not graduating because they, you know, were maybe failing the class and they got their grades up and this and that. And now what, what do they got a diploma in the mail or an email yeah. or a PDF? I mean, you know, I don't know how that works. You know, the, the, the not seeing your friends in school. I mean, the mental illness is going to be going off the charts. I mean, it's going to be. Yeah, it's. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that our son is young enough where he, hopefully if this, you know, ends within the next year, he won't be. It'll just be like a blip on his. He won't remember. I mean, he'll remember, oh, mom and dad were home more often. Than yeah, it was annoying. They were already always yeah. in my face. Yeah. How old is he? He'll be three in 10 days. I saw he had a stretch dentist appointment. I saw that he on did. Instagram. He did. Yeah. He's, he's been a lot of fun, man. He's. Uh, that's great. That's, that's yeah. just amazing. I can't imagine even. Having the child to take care of? Uh, no, no, not just, you know, the responsibility of it, but, you know, your the life just oh, I gotcha. just changes, you know, the minute that, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, uh, I was always on the fence. Like, if we have kids, great. If not, that's cool, too. We, we had a lot of, like, my wife and I always were very social and had a lot of fun together. I went to a lot of shows. And, like, so, like, I remember before we even started, like, thinking about having a kid, like, we're like, do we want to give this up? And I remember looking at it yeah. and I caught, we were actually going to a friend's party at their house. We were actually outside their house. And um, we we're like, do we want to give this up? Is all this up? And she looked at me and said, you know what? I will regret it when we're 
55 or 65 or whatever, you know, and not having a kid. So and I was like, you yeah. know what? I'm, I agree with that. That's one of those things in life where there is a time, there is a clock on it. Yeah. Like you could decide at, if you want at 70 that you want to go to college. You know, I didn't get the chance when I was younger, but you know, just the way biology works, you, you know, you can't yeah. be like at 75, like, okay, I'm ready now. You know, it's like, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is adoption and all kind of things, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a major, I mean, you know, I can't even, I, I know enough to know that I don't know what it's like, but yeah. I, you know, it's, it's for every decision I made in my life or, or responsibility I ever had, it, it doesn't, it, it never involves kids. Stakes were never that high. And it's not, and, and, and the rewards of it, I, I can only imagine are unbelievable too. It's it's life changing, you know. You you don't never know what. It's weird. It's there's people who don't want to have children, and I will never tell them like, oh, you're missing out. But yeah. that's oh, your you choice. You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's not for everyone. It's not. I mean, I, I I know how I feel after having a child. Um, I've said this before on several different podcasts. We've had issues having a second. Um my wife and I have experienced three losses within the past 12 months, which has been um, an absolute that. nightmare. Uh, it's funny too, because like you spend all your younger years to, to, to avoid getting pregnant. <laughs> that's, <laughs> fun, us, that's funny. I never thought of it that way. No, it's such a science thing. It's like one thing I always say, cause like you have like a window of like three days really to make this happen. Right. And it's like, how are these people who have a million kids having all these kids? They must fuck every day, multiple times a day. Just to, like, it's like, I don't know how it's like, how, how accidents happen. I understand I do. I'm not saying. Um, but for that many to the same people over and over. I mean, I, I, I know several people that have, have had accidents. And again, they're very happy. Their children are awesome. I'm not, I'm not knocking that scenario at all. But I'm just saying like, you had not, like, and also my wife and I have no trouble getting pregnant. It's, it's, we experience losses after the, the, the road, yeah. so, um, I don't know where we're going with that, but, um, yeah, we're it's just about fatherhood and life. And yeah, it's, 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 I, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think this whole coronavirus thing is making people think more deep. I mean, first of all, you have more time, you're at home more Yeah. and you're, you're people, I think we're all becoming more like introspective. So like even even this like talking about, I mean we, we went from talking about our jobs to talking about you know life and death, babies. And, well, this and is what like, I wanted to do. This is exactly what I wanted to do. I mean it's it's just it. stuff that um, I, th- I think you have more time, and when you sit around with nothing to do, uh, there's usually not just blank. That's why it's hard for some people to fall asleep sometimes, like me. Yeah, it's you. You don't just go okay, blank. Everything's blank now. It's like all these. If there's people drink, well, yeah, there's that too to help fill that space. I mean, or to just get or works, or you know, people get into all kinds of stuff, and and, you know, and that's one one argument people are making about reopening everything too is like, oh, the casualty we're going to have of mental illness, alcoholism, drug abuse, people are, but I mean, you're already predisposed to that, so like no one's going to like just start doing heroin because they're home all the time, you know, 
It was already, there was something going on there. That was yeah. good. But I mean, that that's, I mean, right now, I think people are just reevaluating. People are picking up, they're moving, they're, I want to, people want to live out in the country or they want to, they're planning for the next, it's like the, uh, the doomsday preppers. Yeah. Thing, you know, I mean, there's going to be people now preparing for the next pandemic. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny too. Cause when this first yeah. happened, I was like, Oh, we need to live smaller. We need to like, you know, make sure like, you know, we, we don't need all this stuff. And then four months into the pandemic, we bought a bigger house. <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, granted, it's like, it's nice to be, we're, we're, you know, we were home more and the, the, the yard is more conducive for children. And yeah, it's not like we just did it for fun. It was, a, a, there was reasoning behind a strategic, it. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was for a purpose, but <laughs> what neighborhood, what, what town are you in again? Uh, I'm in Duryea. Okay. That's a good spot. I mean, well, I mean, we were in Duryea. We just moved to a better part of Duryea. The Beverly Hills up there, yeah. Beverly, yeah, basically. Jerry yeah. Hills. Yeah, Jerry Hills. Jerry Hills. Hills. Uh, That's <laughs> where I want to be. There you go. You should sell that. I mean, Pete, I see uh, Will Beekman's got a house in the process. It's maybe close to being ready. Yes, he's he's a neighbor of mine. Yep, he's... Oh, okay. I feel like I can see him... I need I need to get some binoculars, but like I could, I think I could see him through. So yeah, I got some binoculars. I got um, binoculars for bird watching um, as an early Christmas gift. They're amazing. They're amazing. We, yeah. So we we went down, uh, looked across. Uh, it was either a, a river or a bay or something, and I was able to read what was written on the side of the, like the vans that were parked in front of people's houses. Oh, amazing! You can do some damage if you want to look places you're not supposed to, but it's. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel so, I feel like I made it if I'm living in the same development that Will Beekman's living in. So. Yeah, he runs the arena. I mean, I know. Yeah, well, it's weird. I kind of you know, <laughs> I kind of miss him being at the curb. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's like the I miss both those deal, venues, but, man. I miss both oh, yeah. those freaking venues, and I was so excited. I know he was excited because, like, it's like he went from the Kirby to the arena, and then all these shows this happened started yeah. popping up at the arena. We had Tool set up yeah, for the arena. Tool. Would have been the bonkers, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Been a big show. And Hans Cooper. Yeah. And all, all of it ruined. And then all these other shows, I'm sure they had like, you know, monster truck stuff or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. every day in my inbox, probably too, I'm getting emails about canceled shows at the Kirby Center. Yeah. It's just like. And I feel bad because even, yeah. even like, you know, Will left and then his, his, you know, people behind him, Drew and, and Ann Raldella. Yeah. yeah. Lindsay, I think her name was. Like they were like set up to kind of like, you know, move things forward and, and, going, absence yeah. and, and they were great. They've been there forever. It was, I was excited for their, you know, opportunities. And then what about, yeah. I mean, then, and then Carl Hall, I mean, what about that? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. I mean, at least they had a few years under their belt to, to keep it, to, to get where they're going. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, hope. I mean, uh, that's a sad, sad situation too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, when things reopen, what's going to be there? I mean, if if something like the Kirby Center shut down, I mean, I I'm not speculating. I haven't heard anything like that or don't know anything. But, I mean, that would be a blow. That'd be a terrible. Yeah, it's a downtown. huge blow because it's it's it has history. It's well, history. It helps the downtown businesses. I mean, you walk in there, but I mean, like when you walk into that place to see whatever you're going to see, uh, I take a sec. You know, you walk in and you're like, 
Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. This is it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's just as nice as anything in, in yep. anywhere. And yep. when I think back on you know the the reason I got into the the Grateful Dead, one of the reasons was um, a relative had a free ticket for me to see Bruce Hornsby there, who I didn't even know had played with them and this and that. And then over the years, you know, I saw Brian Wilson, the funniest comedian I ever saw in my life, Louis C.K. Saw at the Kirby. You can't say that now. Uh, I I think he's somewhere between. I saw him at the arena. I saw him at the arena. He's hilarious. Yeah, and then I saw him again. At least he asked. I mean, you know. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, uh, Bill Maher, I took my dad to see Bill Maher at um, the Kirby. Okay. Jim Gaffigan. Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> so Bill Cosby. Oh. <laughs> you that, that, one, that one bothers me because I, I got to interview him and I had a cover story of Bill Cosby and I can't even use it. And, and Louis C.K. Two cover stories, great tips for my portfolio. Can't use them anymore because of what they did. Unbelievable. Bill Cosby even told me he eats eight hot dogs. He whispered, my wife doesn't know. He's not supposed to eat things. Do you think he's full of shit? Because there are people in this area, this market, who think that you know, they're told in an interview that they love Wilkes-Barre or they love NEPA. They, they think that they're not pandering to. He was oh. so sincere that I happen to believe him. Okay. All right. But That's fine. You know, you know what bothered me though? You know what bothered me is he told me that he saved hot dogs. Right. Cause he got real quiet. It's like, it was actually the Kirby told me like, we heard he eats pigs when he comes to town. You might want to ask him about it. And uh, I said, Mr. Cosby, I heard this thing, might be nonsense, might be true, that when you come to Wilkes-Barre, you always eat Abe's hot dogs. And he goes, I have to be quiet. It's my wife. can't hear this because I have high blood pressure. But when I come to Wilkes-Barre, they lay out, they bring the hot dogs, I pick one or two, and he goes, and I have them with the with the water, and Evian water, and a high blood pressure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad they told me to ask about that. Like this is crazy. Well, that, I'm so that, excited. That sounds legit. Yeah. So I go to Abe's like months later, sitting down in a booth having my delicious hot dog. Picture. I look on the wall on what do they have? A framed copy of Electric City, Bill oh. Cosby on the cover, not talking about their business. That's funny. Or story of you know whatever humbling I guess they would say. But um, yeah, I, I, the, the real tragedy of those two guys is that I can't use those stories anymore for my portfolio. That's not, that's not true. It's, it's sad, but it's, it's, it's interesting. You talk to these people and like, you don't realize the lives they have and you're talking to them on the phone who knows what's going on, you know? Right. And they're, they're even there's in an interview, someone is not their hundred percent true self. Right. There, I mean, there's even things that I, I wouldn't say right now that I wouldn't say right if I was just talking to you without. But the, again, people, people, they, you know, who who conduct interviews think that you know the person who says they love Wilkes-Barre, or they love this, or they love that. Like you oh, can't get caught they, up in you can't caught up, get caught up in either. Like if someone that, says that's, that's that must be true because they said it. Well, that, or, that, or sometimes like oh, I re, you know you asked. I've never had an interview with someone that asks questions as good as yours. And it's like, yeah, until you hang up and call the next person. Exactly. That's what I mean, I'm these saying. These people, they literally have a call sheet. That's what I'm getting at. And if they make the call themselves, sometimes. It's like, okay, next. It's like part of their okay. job. That's how they get paid. Yeah. Like I mean, Alice Cooper gave me a quote once. I'm like, that's really cool. And I read another thing and he said the same exact thing. And he probably has notes. 
he's probably f- given notes. All right, Alice, you're calling this person next. This yeah. is the city you're going to say that you love. Right. And I'm not complaining. The fact that That's I got fine. to talk to Alice Cooper. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm not taking anything away from some jerk from Pittston. I don't know any better. But I'm, like, not ta- yeah, I'm not taking yeah, that away from anybody. You can't. You can't. It's, you can't, like, it's not a gospel at that point. It's almost it? like politics. But he said he's going to bring health care to everyone. He's from well, Of course he did. It's like when you walk on stage, like, oh, it's great to be here. And Wilkes Barre, like, can you hear that? You hear that? He said it's great to be here. He's happy he's here. Yes, because we're giving him money. Yeah, of course he is. No He's shit. getting paid no to run around on stage, make millions of dollars. I'd be happy too. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah. I love anything. I yeah, love they just come out and like, you know, good evening. What? Was it again? Barry Bar. All right. Whatever. Whatever. That's the best thing I've ever been in. It's the best. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing though. Uh, on that note, there's there's something that happened. That was really a truth in that it happened uh, like that. Um, years ago, right before I went away to college, actually, uh, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd um, played a montage. And um, the show has kind of taken on this legendary status because this huge lightning storm happened to the point where they had to stop the show. And for the safety of the band up there with all this stuff plugged into electrical outlets and the audience. So everyone went back to their, um, back to their cars or, or went home. But I think people mostly stuck it out. So we're sitting in the cars, in an arc in the car, me and my friends. And uh, eventually we heard noise. So we know the music was coming back. So we ran back and there. He plays the Sasuke concert and he's like, can't believe you stuck around, you know. And he's kind of legendarily not the kind of come off as a, not the nicest guy in the world sometimes. So a friend, so, thank you for staying and this is amazing and whatever. It's like, okay, good. So a friend of mine went to see him, I believe it was in Hershey, like a few nights later or something like that. And he mentioned montage there. Now that's when you know it's sincere. It's like the other night, you know, I played in Scranton and there was this huge thunderstorm and the people came back and it was the most amazing thing. And it was like, uh, and then the reverse of that, I'm told, uh, if you remember when Wilco came to uh, Scranton Cultural Center, I was so excited. I'm like, this is amazing. And um, he called a guy in the audience, Jeff Tweedy called a guy in the audience a douchebag or something because like, he was texting or something. And uh, I think then they went and played in Philly. He was like, you're not as bad as that crowd the other night in Scranton. Or so it works both ways. Right. But, you know, so, it's interesting. Some of these people, they remember everything about the town they're in. And they will say... When I come to Wilkes-Barre, I will go to so-and-so and, and get it. I'll go to work. Or when I'm in, you know, because if I'm interviewing someone, I'm like, oh, I read you're really into food. When you come to New York, what are your favorite places to eat? And I'll be like, oh, this place is good. And then other places, they're like, kind of like zombies. They just kind of, I mean, could you imagine if you asked like Ozzy Osbourne, like, so I, I heard, I saw you played at Montage and, 1998. What do you remember about playing in Scranton, Pennsylvania? <laughs> but then other ones are like, you're just really dialed in, smart, sober people that happen to be doing that for a living, you know? But I, I think you're right. I think a lot of it is, I don't want to say it's an act. I mean, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's just natural to say, you're ha- I'm happy to be there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you wouldn't. It's, it's yeah. politeness. Oh, this is be, it's being polite. You don't walk out and say, 
But if he walks by, I buy this place. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Except if with Bill Burr. Remember when Bill Burr came to the Sands, the Sands, and uh, he just kind of ripped on like all these buildings with rusted roofs. Lewis Black. So, um, Lewis Black, the bad. You know Lewis Black, the comedian? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was at the Cultural Center. And he's like, you know, and how he's like, so like jittering. He's like, oh, I was on the bus coming into town. And Boy, this place is horrible. I'm looking at all these burned up buildings. Fuck it off. Like it was so funny because that was like his opening. Like you're yeah. supposed to come out and try to get the crowd on your side. And that's, how Bill, that's, that's how they Bill Bird did. It was this opening thing. He's like all these fucking rusted out buildings. And people probably love that more than if he kissed oh, their ass. Yeah. People oh, probably yeah. went nuts because oh, yeah. they think that too about their own town. Yeah, you know, there was. I mean, uh, one of my favorite ones when I was a kid. <laughs> I love when they do a little research and they'll, they'll like mention the local mayor or something. You know. There was, um, I used to be into pro wrestling, like most kids. And uh, at the, the CYC in Scranton, um, went to a wrestling show. And there was this guy, uh, his name was Erwin R. Scheister, which, uh, good? False alarm? Yeah, I'm good. No. Okay. Um, IRS, it stands for IRS. So his whole shtick was, he was an IRS agent that was a wrestler. So he had the tie and the rolled up sleeves. And it was around Christmas time. And he's like, you know, I bet all you people out there think you can go Christmas shopping at the Steamtown Mall. And everyone's like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, when I'm coming out of you, you won't have a dime left. <laughs> like, he knows, he knows I'm wrong. You know, it's, it's like 14 years old, I was the greatest thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, how does he know? How does he know it? <laughs> Pretty Google, too. He had to do some, someone had to tell him. A little deep D search. Yeah. D search. Research. Research. Yeah. Jesus. But, uh, yeah, that is an interesting. I mean, you know, it's everything is an act. I mean, it is what it is. When someone's on a stage, but just you, you can't take it too. You can't. You, you got to be careful because even like in your business, especially when bars are open, if you go to a place, if if you have the wrong kind of ego or self esteem or lack thereof. Oh, these bars love me. They're all giving me free drinks. And these bands love me. They're always calling, you know, sending emails and this and that. Eh. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. I mean, you know, like when I was with the New York Post, I got interviews with people from Pink Floyd and the Who. I mean, that things I dreamed of. But it wasn't because of me. It's because of the email at the end yeah. at newyorkpost.com when I yep. sent in the request. Or in the case of the Who, they emailed me. That's hard to believe. Hey, would you like to interview Pete Townsend from the Who? Like, ah, eh, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Time. No, like, I don't have time today. Yeah, I never. Who? Never. Heard, you know. yeah, who? But, uh, but you you have to have enough self awareness to realize that if you left and someone else was in your position, they same thing. You know, it, it's just that's why it's more rewarding when sometimes when you're working on a, on a smaller, more independent level. But uh, you know, like the, the things I got for the blog. This guy, Robert Hunter, who wrote all the lyrics for Jerry Garcia and Grateful Dead. And I, as an interview, I was trying to get literally for 20 years. Couldn't get it for the time you couldn't get it for the weekend, or couldn't get it in Philly. And I got it for Highway 81 through a stroke of luck and coincidences. And um, that was like the big get for me, yeah. partially because it was for my own thing. It wasn't because they said, we have to do this because it's Rolling Stone or whatever. It was nobody. It was nobody.com basically you know and yeah. that that's like 
you're not, it's nice to have that back. And, and, you know, we went over that before. The dumb, yeah. It's nice to be part of that system. But even, you know, I told you I work for Fox, we, you know, the, you get people will call you back if you leave a message. Say I'm calling from Fox News or I'm calling from the New York Times, I'm calling from CNN. I'd like to speak to whatever. They're at least going to probably respond and say, we have no comment or you're going to do, we'll talk to you. Yeah. But if you call and say, I'm calling from the Daily Bugle in, you know, Nanakoke or something, I mean, maybe they will. But yeah. Sometimes it's the brand and not you that's that's getting it done. 100%. And, and, and 100%. You just can't get too caught up in those things because no. you can drive yourself crazy. You yeah. I, mean? I, mean, I, I got to meet, you know, members of Blue October and got the, like, you know, Blue Singer. Yeah who I, I love that band and the lead singer. I got to introduce him on stage at the Kirby center and the guy that, you know, that lead singer, Justin Fersenfeld saw that I was nervous. I was shitting my pants all day. And he came up to me, gave me a hug. Guy walked wow. up to me, gave me a hug and said, Hey man, you're going to be great. And I was like, wow. Holy shit. Like it never would have happened if I wasn't right. in the situation that I was in with, you know, all nine two one. I would never have had a radio show. Um, uh, granted I'm disappointed that it's over, um, or on hiatus. Um, but I'm so thankful for what it's, you know, given to me. Same with the weekender. I wouldn't, I would not be where I am. That's a good, this is, well, a good, you know, this I, is a good I would position. say give, given to you isn't the right word. It was not an opportunity that presented itself and you were, you grasped it. You took, yeah. you took it to, to heart and, you know, but um, I think to wrap things what, up. You, yeah. You have to be in the right place, right time, but you actually have to do something about it too. Yeah, so to, to wrap things up, give yourself some credit too. Thank you. Yeah, to wrap things up, I think, you know, if it wasn't for the weekend, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this and, and yeah. reach out to these people. Cause I, I, I know, I know, that the weekender, regardless of how things started or ended, it had a huge impact on their lives moving forward. And absolutely, I'm so thankful for that moment. I'm, yeah. The moments I'm, I'm so thankful to have met you and to continue to call you a friend and a, a person that I still talk to. A person that you know I can reach out to and say, "Hey, I wrote this up. Can you give it a quick?" look over and without hesitation you and I, and I you know I think it's great that you're doing this and I like I said before I don't feel that type of connection with anywhere else that I've worked yeah. I don't know if it's because I was there four years and, and, and sometimes that's kind of longer than most places I've been just because of the way the business is but um, I think we were almost in a way like thrown to the wolves in a way and like okay figure this out yeah you know like you kind of said and uh yeah, I think it's really cool that you're doing this. I'm looking forward to hearing some other people's takes on things because I think everyone's going to have very different yeah, experiences to talk about. You know, it's it's cool because we all had a great time there and we've all, we're all different people today than we were when we were there. Absolutely. So whether it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, I know, you know, Christy and, you know, we're going to talk and, you know, Rachel Pugh and I are going to talk and um, you know, hopefully Joe Student and all those people that you oh, know, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Because I mean, like I was there as an intern for four months with, under Christy Greer and Joe Student, but like 
by the time I got there full time, they were gone. So like, they I, were gone. I cannot wait to hear how they kind of yeah. got to the weekender and, and, you know, why but you had the, you had the, the good fortune of learning from them and being in their system and then being in a different system with different managers. Yeah. And, yep. you know, I, I mean, I, I really don't, you know, the interesting thing I, I, I'd like to try to find out from this pod, this, this series you're doing is why, why has this place had this so much impact on, on all of us? Well, why this and not something else? I mean, I, I'll, I'll give that the age. Is it, give, part of it, I think is the age we were in most of us when you're, yeah. I think twenties and early thirties is when you're most impressionable and, and you know, and you, and you, give out a what you want to do with your life and, and you and give a shit that way. More passionate. You're not jaded yet. Yeah, exactly. And maybe by the time you got out of there, you were jaded. That's like the the, the, the ironic thing about the it. answer yeah. I was going to give you before I go through all these people and and kind of get a collective answer or you know come to a a conclusion. I think it's because you know that was a job that you had. It was typically your first job that you had. You were there for a year or two and you moved on. Um, but you gave it everything you had. You, right. you gave it one hundred and ten percent every day, which I think is important was important for that paper in general you had to everyone had to that's the yeah. thing too and like everyone had to do that for it to work and like you said you're you you you're not yet jaded you're not yet you know you're 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 so young and you're and you're not even included in like the the, the yeah. big people conversation you're almost like naive you're yeah. almost like it's exactly what it is well like if you, i just you know, I'm work as hard as I can. Off. Everything's, you know, everything's. Now, if, if it's an eight-hour day. I'm going to work nine. Now, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to yeah, come to every work event. A little bit ahead, and, you know. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll do this, and, and uh, I'll get a promotion. And you know, for yeah. me, that's that's what happened. I mean, I I went from I went from an intern to marketing and sales associate to uh, account executive to director of sales to GM. I mean, I I ran the whole fucking gamut outside of. And that's amazing. And you saw, you knew that place inside and out, you, you know. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was. how it made it tick. I love that place. Like I said, I mean, if I had gotten a tattoo of that place on my body, I would not be upset about it. I mean, it's day. almost like, to me, it's almost like thinking back on college a little bit. Because it's a time when you. But more fun. Yeah. When you met some lifelong friends, some people that you drift apart from as well. And you did things you never thought you were going to do things you thought you couldn't, you didn't even yeah. have the ability to do. I mean, some of it's like something needed to be done. There was nobody there. We didn't have a, a multimedia specialist. Right? So either you're going to do it yourself or it's not going to happen. So yeah. you, like, you Google like how to make a podcast you know, yeah. like, or how no, to make it's a It's all good, man. It's all, it's, everything happens for a reason. I think yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's what you make of it. You could sit and you consult about it and say, well, this should have happened and I should have gotten a raise in 2000, whatever. And, but, okay, maybe. Yeah. But where is that going to get you? Well, Mike, I'm really happy that you're uh, where you are today. Fox Fox News uh, treating you well. You got this. Yeah, you got a nice brick wall behind you. The best going. The, I mean, you're, you're not only are you emotionally sound, your, your, your home is, uh, foundationally sound. Uh, <laughs> on the third floor. It's a good floor. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you know, you're not on the top, you're not on the bottom, you know, it's, it's, no, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, um, I see pictures of you and your, your wife, um, you guys are very happy and I'm, 
I'm very happy that you're happy. Um, I'm happy that we still talk almost daily. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's like a gift. To have yeah, that. again, it's it's the the weekender was. Um, I will always say I I never really have a I. The only time I talk negatively about the weekender is is after I left and the people not in charge, not that I worked there. No, people ownership was just terrible, and they they oh. let it they let it happen. They let what happened happen. Right. Because everyone who worked there gave or cared more than they ever should. And yeah, it wasn't the people that worked there that no. did it in that. So, you know, that, like, like a lot of places, if you probably did this series on a similar company yeah. in some other town, but so anyone, anyone yeah. listening to these, it's not, it's, I don't, I don't ever want to come off as I'm trashing, um, no. past employees or anything. No, like I don't that. think I do that. I, I think if you want to do that, you, you, you wouldn't even be doing, you wouldn't put this much time into this. Yeah. If you're doing it just to prove some point about no, some, it just it's it's a no, moment. I, I thought it was great. I mean, I, you know, the place put me through the ringer in a way and taught me some things, and uh, just learned so much about about so many different things. And again, like we're talking about, it's the personal and professional connections. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is a professional thing. You're doing a podcast. It's you know, it has your name on it. It's part of your professional life, but it's also a personal friendship too. And that's, you know, like, again, you mentioned Joe student. He's a guy I'll text. What do you think about this? Or, you know, I saw this job opening. What, what, what do you know? What do you think? You know, Nikki all the time sending back and forth ridiculous jokes. Um, you know, she lives down here too. Um, and she's, she's been in New York longer than me by a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, doing well. You know, it's, it's I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for this well. series. I'm excited for this year. I'm, I'm excited to, t- to reconnect with people that I haven't talked to in a long time. And, and I hope that everyone that listens or watches these like, is just like reminded of what a great moment that it really was. So thank you yeah. for being part of it. Thanks, really- for, thanks for having me. It was great to, to look uh, back on some of these things.